Uh, it's episode 17 of the Gaming Memories Podcast where I, Cade Carl, your host, a.k.a. Roboclip, the blessed beat maker, or in other words, uh, the only true prophet of the gaming gods, because long story short, he, Miyamoto the Father, Kojima the Son, and Carmack the Holy Ghost appeared to me in holy vision, commanding me to create the one and only true gaming video podcast on planet Earth. And to do so, I was instructed to simply interview creative and interesting people about their favorite gaming memories growing up and that is exactly what we're doing today today's guest after a small break of the holidays episode 17 tim spencer tim spencer is a la based up and coming comic and also writer and producer of the youtube mini series joe on a boat check it out it is some funny ass shit we talk about it a little bit but uh i would recommend just go checking a few episodes out they're not in any like sort of set chronological order you can pick any one episode start there they're short two to five minutes a single episode he uh is pushing that he's also does these uh, airbnb experiences where if you're traveling in the la area and you want to get a nitty-gritty down-to-earth legitimate comedy underground experience you can hop on his boat on any given night. He will throw these uh, – I don't know. I don't even know what he calls them. But it's, supposed, but it's on Airbnb experiences and you hop on a boat and you go out basically into the marina or the area, sail out there, and then you have a live comedy show on the boat. And apparently from what I've heard, multiple sources, not just him himself, but other people who have attended such events is that they are super duper fun. And uh, the vibe, if you've ever been to a comedy show, being there live makes makes the energy totally different. And I can see how hanging on a boat, having a few sip skis, having a few puff skis, checking out a few uh, up-and-coming acts in that intimate environment could be super-duper fun. So anyway, Tim Spencer, check him out uh, online doing sets. If you're in the L.A. area, you can check him at any of your normal comedy spots. You can check out his show, Joe on a Boat, YouTube. And if you feel so inclined, you can book him on Airbnb Experiences for a legit underground comedy boat experience. Other than that, this episode was awesome. We chatted about comedy, life, creativity, and video games, of course. Remember, kids, you only have one duty, that this is the one true gaming gospel, the only true gaming podcast on planet Earth. And if you spread the love, spread the good news of the Gaming Memories Gospel, which means like, share, comment, tell your friends about it, you'll be blessed because the gods say so, and I'm the God's mouthpiece. I'm basically God himself. So if you just listen to me, listen to nobody else, give me your money, give me your women, Say these things in the name of Miyamoto the Father, Kojima the Son, and Carmack the Holy Ghost. Amen. Enjoy the show. Yeah, we just had a pee break, and I was telling Tim that uh, on the John Jimenez episode, for those who were listening, remember it, I peed like seven or eight times in two hours, and I legit got scared that. Do I have prostate problems? Because isn't that one of the symptoms of your prostate being like fucked up? Is you you pee? Oh man, I hope not. Because he peed <laughs> once, and I peed okay. like seven times, and we drank the same amount of, of White Claw, but it didn't go over. That's why I like drinking on the podcast. But yeah, I hate having to pee because you. I could kind of tell you were starting to fidget. I was oh, like, right. I think he has to pee. I've done it too, where it's like, oh, conversation's going good, but goddamn it. I want to pee, but I don't want to get up. Uh, it's like when you lay in bed, like, do I need to get up? 
or should I just sleep for another 30 minutes and then go pee? Yeah, and you, and you don't want to answer a good point with, <laughs> can I go pee? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've definitely learned now with sleeping. I don't play the waiting game. If I wake up and I have to pee, I just get up and go. Mm. It's never worth it to... To like postpone, even if it's cold outside, I get probably you at the boat. You're you have this dilemma all the time. Yeah, you know that's kind of motivating actually. <laughs> I'm gonna start doing this resolution. No, yeah, on the boat because it's not just being in the boat, but my bed is very high, so I I never want to get out of it when I got to pee yeah. in the middle of the night. But the th- I've always found like if you wake up and you got to pee, I've never really successfully fallen back asleep. Like when you like, oh, yeah. I gotta pee. Like, oh, it's cold. I don't want to get up. You're just like, I, I actually learned it on my mission. For those of you who don't know, well, I was Mormon. I did the whole like two year mission thing where I knocked on people's doors, try to make them believe in Jesus, or as Rogan puts it, convince poor people to donate ten percent <laughs> of their money to an organization. But they had these like really strict rules, and you have to wake up every day at six thirty. And we always ended up staying up later than you're supposed to because you like talking to your companion. Yeah. You're, you're paired up with uh, another person and you basically live with them and you do like pre preach religious stuff all day and you go to home with them. And then you have like this night routine and you're supposed to go to bed, I think it's at 1030. But I would always stay up later, like making calls, trying to set up uh, lessons or whatever. And so I was always tired. And I eventually learned on my mission, like I'm losing precious sleep because if I wake up, and it's 4.45 and I'm like, fuck, I, I have to get up at 6.30. I'm just going to lay here and not go pee and just try to sleep. I'd end up not getting any sleep from that point. And then right. wake up, and at 6.30, like the alarm goes off. It's like, fuck, I didn't even get any sleep. And so I started getting in the habit of like, wake up, just run to the bathroom, get it over with and go back. And then you can fall back asleep pretty quick. So, yeah, if you're not doing that, maybe you might get better sleep. Yeah, I got – Part of my problem, I I I pee into bottles mostly. Mm. I Can you do it in the bed, like while you're laying? A, a couple times, <laughs> I've done that a couple times. <laughs> I mean, it's a safe like Gatorade bottle, you know, like, like the a wide, big wide yeah. cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what if you have too so, much pee? I've gotten really good at like prejudging my bladder How size. Much, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can tell if I got like a one bottler. In me. <laughs> you can tell by the pressure on your tip. How much? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a bathroom in the boat, but it stinks if you use. Like, I'll, I'll use it, or if I have a girl over, yeah. I'll use it. But if there's a decent bottle around, might as well use it. So you know, because I remember on I stayed. I think when I stayed on your boat, the the old boat, I would get up and walk to like the, like the what you say, the port or the wherever you dock them. What's it called? Oh uh, yeah, you just walk up the ramp to the to bathroom. A, uh, the bathroom. What are those? The, the slip. Apartments? The slip place. Yeah. The boat's in the slip. Yeah. But there's a marina. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, the, the marina. Marina. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd walk to the marina bathroom like in the middle of the night. Like ah, I gotta go to the marina bathroom. Yeah, it's not a good walk. It's it's like two minutes. <laughs> Maybe not quite, but what like? Sometimes. How often have you gotten like sick, like with the shits on the boat? Oh, I've had definitely a handful of nights where I was shitting in bags. <laughs> oh, no. Because you definitely. couldn't make it? Yeah, it's so far. <laughs> it's, so, it's so far. <laughs> so you go... Like a like a grocery bag. 
Yeah. And I had, whereas I've gotten very good at peeing in bottles, I'm still not good at shitting shitting in bags. No, it's it's complicated. That would be, that might be, I could see myself one of those moments like, what am I doing with my life? I'm sitting on this boat. I'm miserable. I'm shitting in a bag. I'm missing. It smells like shit. I'm tired. Like <laughs> I, 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 I've I've seen other pirates two different times while paddleboarding around the marina. Uh, seen other pirate guys shitting into bags. <laughs> two separate. No, Is the, yeah. How many people in the marina are people living? It varies marina to marina. My place is pretty lax about the rules because you're not supposed to. You're not. Yeah, it's technically illegal, yeah, right? Te- yeah, technically you're only allowed three nights a week on the boat, but it, no one's keeping track. Exactly. My, yeah. In my place, it's not. And so on my dock, I think a, a third of the boats are people. They call them sneak aboards, like not a live aboard, but they're sneaking yeah. on. So at least a third of the boats. But there's almost comfort in that because it's not like they want to kick out a third of their tenants. Yes, because they lose – if they decide to um, get really anal about that rule, they've yeah. got to replace a third of their income. Right, yeah. And they're, they're super, it's a super corporate place that doesn't really know about boating anyway. So that's why we're pretty under the radar. And living on it for four years, no, no problem. Do you ever – have you done any bits in your comedy about video games? Have you tried to do anything around video games? Oh, no. Where can people check your comedy out? Is there somewhere online? Oh, check out... Oh, the YouTube show. You can see my stuff on uh, Joe and a Boat. Joe and a Boat, yeah. Yeah, you won't see my face on it, but uh, I I do it with this guy I know through the comedy scene in L.A., and we pretend like he lives on our boat, and... He's not a murderer rapist, but everything he says makes him seem more like and one. And he looks like a murderer rapist. Yeah. And the, that's the and he's yeah. So it's it's like a would you say it's a YouTube like satire, sketch uh, comedy yeah, satire like a, comedy? Yeah, it's yeah. like a it's kind of a satire of someone having a YouTube channel, and it's like sketch comedy. How long yeah. each, is each episode? Usually two minutes. Okay, so yeah. short, like little. How yeah. many episodes are there? I think we're past sixty now. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And then we just got access to the YouTube space in L.A., uh, where they have big, giant production studios, a tech cage full of any camera, lens, or lighting you want, and you can use it all for free. So we're able to do bigger bigger things um, now. Do you have a, like a set guy that does all the editing and shooting? Uh, no. you got A guy from YouTube, you're saying? No, that would just do you or the oh, creepy guy. I do. I have a few buddies who have helped me out, uh, like came in clutch. The first time I got to YouTube space, one of my buddies who does camera stuff professionally came and just kind of gave you the rundown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, right now I'm slowly become. I, I had edited up to now in iMovie um, because it, part of the idea is you make it look like this guy makes it. Yes. Um, and that's worked, but I, I'm I'm doing the stuff in Premiere now. I'm slowly learning it because they have these great editing bays at YouTube Space. With the so nice, you do yeah. you who you film it? Yeah, yeah. I I I get I write it. I have a buddy in Atlanta who writes um, some of it with me, and uh, then I edit it. What's a what's a, like a typical process for a two minute episode? Are you constantly writing ideas and shooting back and forth, and then you guys hone in on one like, oh, this one's worth filming? Yeah, it varies a lot. Um, 
so we we do like we did one thing where we did a, a we wanted to shoot a late night show and so that one was our longest thing is like 20 minutes long other times joe is a unique person <laughs> sometimes we'll go into a, a video with one idea and he'll just say something wacky and, and then he'll pivot all around that yeah yeah, yeah. so it it's it's a uh, it's different is it um i've seen like a few clips i've seen you posted it but i didn't i didn't know you were writing it i thought it was like when you posted about it i thought it was like you were giving a friend a shout out like this is oh, my right. friend's you were just like shouting out one of your friends i didn't know you were involved in it um that's how judgmental i am i'm like ah i don't know who that guy is i'm not gonna watch that video but now that i know you're involved i'll watch and it's weird if you just watch one episode it I, I don't know how much it grabs you, but and it, it's, it's not for everyone, but the people who get it, they get it like a religion. Some of the people are, we got some fans who are I think it's a good all sign. about it. Yeah, yeah. If you, if, you, uh, if you start getting fans that are religious, it means you're providing something unique. I was actually having this thought earlier today when I was thinking about music and comedy and art. There's this, uh, I'm, I'm still bearing the thought out, so it's probably going to be kind of rambly, but the idea is, the farther you get into more like a unique flavor, whether it's music, gaming, comedy, art, your uh, – what's, what's the word? Your mass appeal shrinks. Yeah. But the fervor of the fans that do like it increases mm-hmm. because the people who are interested in the more, in the more like unique or different tastes, not necessarily like, – because every art form generally has like the quote-unquote the pop formula – there's a formula for pop songs, yeah. and that's why you keep recycling and they're like, tweaking. And people like that formula. Most people like that formula. It's been figured out. But if you like really obscure, like noise core metal, yeah, it might only be one percent of the population that likes that. But they're gonna love you because it. There's not a lot of that out there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you get kind of like it's in this. Then then you have the spectrum of mass appeal and like really niche. And the more you go niche, I think your fans become more diehard, but you have less of them. And the more massively you go, you have more f- fans, but very few of them are going to be like diehard religious fans. Right. Like I love Taylor Swift. I can get down to Taylor Swift songs. They're catchy as shit, but I'm not a fan. Whereas like Lorne, who's my favorite producer, most pe- I don't even show him to most people. Like most people aren't going to like it, but I worship him. I think he's a god. Have you, re- have you ever heard Kevin Kelly's thing of a thousand fans? I've heard that theory that all you need is a thousand dedicated fans to make a yeah, living. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's probably coming from the same place. Yeah, uh, he defines a true fan as someone who like buys the vinyl, not only goes to the show, takes five friends with them, like a or, real like a hardcore fan. Yeah, and then, so if you have a thousand hardcore fans, maybe you have like ten thousand moderate fans. Or yeah, something exactly. Like that. Yeah. yeah. How many subscribers do you guys have? Well, we're about to hit twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. So yeah. I would. How many do you think out of that are diehard? A thousand? Do you think you have a thousand diehards? No, as that that tough definition of like, if we showed up in the city, they would make sure they're free on the night that we did a live thing, or yeah. they buy the T-shirt. I think it's under fifty. Okay, like, but it is catching. seventeen. Yeah, 12, but like there are twenty people who are yeah. that big of fans, um, and then. I think like probably a thousand real like fans where they watch every week, see every episode. Yeah. Yeah. And how long have you been doing it? Like Uh, just this project? uh, Two years, but grinding like a year. Okay. 60, you said 60 episodes. That's a lot. Yeah. Comedy is hard. 
<laughs> it's so hard. And to make something re- actually funny, it's really hard to do it more than like it's really hard to do that daily. Yeah, That's, I have you know, a a friend on that was on the podcast Second Audio Treats. He's had a goal to do a stand-up set like just one to like get over his fear for like 6 years. It, and he can't yeah. do it because it's hard like he'll he'll sometimes will like sit down, he'll text stuff like jokes and ideas and it's it's hard. And I've even done it too. Like, I'm going to write a joke. Like, if this has only been a handful of times, like, I want to see what this is like. And I sat down, tried to write something funny, and just stared at a page like, oh, I think I can be funny. But when I really sit down with the goal to be funny, that does not happen. Yeah. <laughs> have I told you about my first, my first time going up? Uh-uh. <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell it real quick, then we'll get back to video games. But have, do you, have you heard the Kill Tony podcast? I've done – well – I've I don't know if the podcast is different than the show. I've seen like a recording of the show like okay. at the comedy store. Yeah, so he's at the comedy store yeah, yeah. and people go up they do 1 minute of comedy yes, 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 with, yeah, yeah. and they have uh, judges with them. Uh-huh. And so I did that for <laughs> I <laughs> I matched with this girl on Tinder who's actually a, a successful comic now, but she's an open micer at the time. And I found out about the podcast that when I thought 1 minute I can do. I can yeah. do something for a minute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I know where this is going. Yeah, so wrong. And I have like some loose concepts in uh, my concepts. mind. Concepts. I didn't even have jokes, and I thought you had a concept. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to go in there, and I'm just going to free free leg a concept, and it's going to be okay. Yeah. In just a minute, <laughs> and I'll crash, and you know, maybe I'll start getting booked. Who knows? And. uh the the concept the I thought I was gonna riff on this for a minute on that gushers should be uh candy, not fruit snacks. They should be in the candy aisle. Not good. That's true though. Yeah, it's like they an are okay like the point. fruit snack, but they're not really a fruit snack. Yeah, they're yeah. like candy outside with a candy. There is inside. something there. I think you could come up that, yeah. that could be a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought I would riff on that for a minute. And I get that thought out of my head. Nobody laughs, and I'm then you have shit. Fifty-two seconds left. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I, I didn't. The the lights really threw me off. Like I thought I'd be able to see the audience. Like but the you lights, can't. It's just bright. Mm-hmm, yeah, th- that really threw me off. And then my backup little bit was. Uh, loosely makes sense growing up mormon prepared you for a lot of things but not ordering coffee or having sex like as an there's adult definitely dude. a lot you could do with growing up mormon yeah, yeah sure yeah. but again i didn't really make much sense there then the minute's over and uh they Jeff, roast the shit out of you yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> jeff garland was one of the judges he's like do you know him the from curvy enthusiasm yeah, I don't know him very. I just know who he is. I don't know him. Super yeah, well. he's like that made no. And he, you could tell he was there as like a favor and didn't understand that some. That's some, part of the show. Yeah, it's part yeah. of the show, and some of these people are going to be new comics. Yeah. So he was just baffled how how bad I was. <laughs> <laughs> he said it makes, didn't make sense, and he said I shouldn't be so high going on stage, and I, which was true. I was baked, and, yeah. but I didn't realize anyone could notice. I was like, you can notice, and then uh, Sinbad. It was like every mother, every motherfucker in this room knows you're stoned. <laughs> the, and that was your first set. That was yeah, that was my first time. It's a great is. way to get baptized. Yeah, it's a great way to get baptized. 
Yeah, I, I didn't do it again for like six months. Because you had to recover. No, no I, actually, I did it again the next week at Kiltonian, and it was also bad. Yeah. And then I didn't do it for six months. Uh, and then my third time, I did great. Like, I crushed. Did The third time, did you come with, like, jokes written out and put a little more... Yeah, a, a bit. If anyone wants to start comedy, I suggest go to open mics and watch a bunch of full shows because you start to see bad people and why they're bad, and you also see oh. jokes and people that tell jokes with the punchline. Yeah, and the audience knows when to laugh. So by seeing a bunch of train wrecks, you can kind of start to figure out what causes train wrecks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And that that was a big difference. I spent. I had just watched a bunch of open mic shows before getting up the third time. How many? So the last time I saw you, which was four or five years ago, you said you had about a minute and a half that you felt pretty solid stand-up material. Oh, yeah. Where are you at right now? Uh, oh, um, 10. That's pretty good. Yeah, but I got 10. I'm I've heard Rogan say 10 to, with. 10 to 15 is like kind of – we talked about years too. Like somewhere if you can do a solid 10 to 15-minute set, set, you can start opening – yeah, and uh, and it's like if it's a hot ten minutes, that can start opening some doors. And I, I I remember the first time Rogan said something, or he was talking to comics. One of his comic friends mentioned it takes years to get ten minutes when you start. That did not compute to me because someone yeah. said something like, "Oh, it took five or seven years," and by then I had a solid ten minutes. And I was thinking like, if I did something for seven years grinding, and all I could do is ten like. I would think I was doing something wrong. Like maybe I don't get it or it seems – Yeah. why is it so hard? I mean I've never – I get that it's hard, like just trying to write a joke. But what I don't understand is if you're doing five to seven nights a week, is it like an old school video game where it's like – it's just the trial and error and you only get so many chances to try a joke, see the reaction and then and then, and then then think about it? Um. Yeah, the good good questions. I mean, one it it's hard um and different styles of comedy like Joey Diaz can probably find a new 30 minutes a lot easier than a one-liner comic. Yeah. Can develop 30 minutes and uh yeah, the storytellers they can just go off because this yeah. I guess a good point. Like, if you're a punchline, punchline after punchline comic, that's different than a long story with like kind of funny tags than yeah. one big punchline at the end. Yeah, uh, there's a Norm Macdonald quote I like. It's like, uh, "Comedy's so," I forgot what he said first, but comedy's so easy for people, so hard for people who know what they're doing, and so easy for those who don't. Well, it's almost like a, what's the word? Uh, not conundrum. There's another word for conundrum where it's like a paradox. Yeah. It's like the harder you try and force it, the harder it becomes. Mm-hmm. And, and then another part is um, you're, you're, it's hard to get so much time because your standards change. Like in the beginning, I thought I had a good five minutes. But then once I make a joke that makes my other material look crappy, look crappy. now you only have – 30 seconds yeah, at that level. Of, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes so sense. After, after each new breakthrough, you want to – you want your new set to all be that level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a big part of it. How would you describe your style? Like if there's a, a similar comic, like if people are interested in checking your show out, what would you uh, – Oh, like you? I would – kind of like Anthony Jeselnik but with less stick. I don't know who that is. Uh, Anthony Jeselnik. He just does like dark one-liners. So He's got great uh, 
specials on Netflix. Chesnick, I think I've seen that. That sounds so familiar. Yeah, you dig him. He's he's very good. I like dark stuff. I like dark everything. Dark music, dark movies, mm-hmm. dark comedy. There was a. Have you heard of a guy called? Uh, this is what I actually wanted to bring up with a comic. Have you heard of a guy called uh, Daniel Sloss? Yeah, he's from the UK. Yeah, has a, a Netflix special called Dark. And this is something I've wondered about. I wanted to ask about a comic because I went to the OR at the comedy store, the original room. For those who don't know, it's like I guess comedy stores like this mecca, holy place for comics. But the original room is where people go to try out new stuff, and it's a lot smaller. And I didn't know that. We just I was in town visiting Omar. He works like oh he was on the podcast as well. Shout out to Omar, K Swiss social media guy. I'm like, hey, we got to go. He'd never been. So I bought tickets, but I didn't know there was like main room. I just like, oh, these ones are 15 bucks. Sweet. Yeah. It's cheaper than I thought. I didn't know it was the OR. So one, I felt fucking stupid. We wait in line forever because there's like two shows going simultaneously. And then we get to the front. And they're like, your tickets aren't for the main room. Yeah. And then we waited for them. We had to go and like wait longer. And I was really, everyone was like really let down. Like, oh, we're going to the shitty show. But I'm actually glad we went to the OR. And this is what I'm trying to bring up is there's something about like the energy of the room that is absent. I hadn't seen live comedy in a long time. When you watch a Netflix special, like I was laughing my ass off, like hysterically, like, please give me a break. I can't breathe. Slow down on the taglines. Like some people had me rolling. But I think if I saw that same material at home on Netflix, I may not even chuckle. Yeah, yeah. Stuff translates to video. It's weird. Way different. It's weird, yeah. and I think that if you're watching, uh, the reason I brought up Daniel Sloss is I, I've, I, the first time I watched his ep, uh, his stand-up special, Dark, I was on vacation with my family. I was with my brother, who I'm really close with, but I don't see him very much. He was in Detroit, and one of my sisters, and we were all drinking wine, and it was like the three of us kind of created like a mini energy of a room. Because I could hear them laughing, mm-hmm. and we laughed our asses off that whole special. I'm like, it's one of the best specials ever. But then I would show people, like I'd recommend it, and they'd watch it and be like, eh. Right. And so I think part of the magic was the, like the environment I was in with my with my family. We're on vacation, we're drinking, everyone's laughing. I still think it's a great special, but it's it, at, I, yeah. At night, dark is important for yeah. good rooms. There's something psychological. If if you can see other people not laughing, you're way less likely. You're way to, less likely to laugh. Yeah. There's a, I I've been doing a a, sh- a comedy show on my boat where we take it out and uh, and anchor offshore and do a six per like six pe- different people do like six minutes each. Kind of like an intimate hangout on the boat. Do stand up. Yeah. yeah. And we sell like ten tickets on Airbnb experiences, and then usually my neighbors show up in dinghies and tie off to the side of the boat. Whoa, whoa. Airbnb experiences. Yeah. Have I've you never heard, heard of that? Yeah, it's this thing where people can sign up to be like a hiking tour guide, yoga instructor on the beach or something. Really? Locals sign up and yeah, in LA I have a few friends making That's all they do? Yeah. I don't even know that. That's so you sell tickets like, oh, you want to go to like a low key underground right. like real what's the word? Like in the scene type experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for the most part people really dig, dig it. it and it yeah. does really well. Uh, but there's a, a few times where just the there's like six people who aren't laughing or they're more they're not into the comedy show and a comedy show the vibe. Yeah, yeah, it's weird when you're talking to three people. That's interesting. Uh, but for the most part, it's a really good show. 
It is weird how, like, in the room, I noticed when I went to the OR, it was really funny minus – that's funny you bring that up because there was one guy that – it was an older lady who – the way they introduced her, it seemed like she'd been doing comedy for a long time. I didn't recognize her. And she grew up in the military and she was cracking jokes about, like, vets and her dad and kind of poking fun at the military. But uh, there was one guy that, like, was not having it and he said – he heckled for a little bit. And then she's like, "What well, you don't support? And like, then they started kind of having an argument. And like all the fun left the room. All of a sudden, I was like, I have never felt this uncomfortable in my life. And I'm just in the, I'm just in the audience. And they're starting to have this little like heckler back and forth. And then the guy that came after this whole alter- altercation is pretty famous, Kurt Metzger. Right. Yeah, he's And great. he bombed. Oh no! He yeah. bombed. Like, and I knew who he was because I'd seen him on podcasts. Yeah. And but like, the room was ruined. Right. Everyone just felt like because they had this argument, and they were. And then she made a joke about like Mexicans, and he was Mexican. Then they was like they were arguing like and it just like everyone felt really uncomfortable. And the rest, we ended up leaving after his set because it was just like I don't know what happened, but all the magic died. Yeah, and it's it's almost impossible to talk about airports or, or go into your stick or your, your yeah. jokes when. Uh, the whole like, room's thinking about the awkwardness that the just awkwardness, happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was weird because it was, and it was interesting. That was also sort of a little enlightening moment for me, understanding how hard comedy is. Because he's a pretty well-known comic. He's got a lot of years, and it's just like it was like hard to listen. He yeah. was getting pissed. Like then it got even more awkward because you could feel that he was like. <laughs> The whole thing was just bad, and like that yeah. we, I, a bunch of people left during his set. We stayed for like half of the next one, and we left. When we left, there was like ten people, and the room was completely full prior yeah. to this like train wreck. And before before that happened, it was Tony, it was Andrew Santino, Tony Hinchcliffe, Amy Wong. Oh, those are some killers! It's like three yeah. in a row, and I knew who. I'm not even into comedy, yeah. and so I know because I know who they are. So they're they're huge, right? Right. And Tony was like. His whole shtick was about that one. He spent his whole 15 minutes defending Kevin Spacey for his sexual misconduct. And he would just like have this grin like, I love being like terrible. Like I yeah. know I shouldn't defend him, but I'm going to do it anyway. And he does it in a way where like he's actually got a good point. Yeah. Like that was – it was awesome. And I just remember he would like put his leg up on the thing and bend over and just had this big Tony grin. Right. Like I'm going to go where you don't want me to go. It was awesome. And then Santino had this whole bit about you need dumb alpha men. You need you need toxic masculinity because who's going to build like the buildings? This whole bit was yeah. defending toxic masculinity. <laughs> and then anyway, it was like killer, 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 killer. And then it, that's what I found interesting. There was like this momentum that seemed unstoppable. And all of that got ruined because of one bad like heckler altercation. All ruined. Yeah. This is fragile. That made me think a little bit. I don't. Do you have your door to door sales? No, I never did. Uh, but like the the idea that came to my mind is like, oh, comedy is like a a door to door sell, but a million times more fragile. Because a door to door sell is like you get in the door. At least with I did alarms, uh, like security systems. You got to get in the door. You got to build the value. And like even when you're like ninety percent through the sale and you're getting to paperwork and payment, the whole thing can fall apart at any minute. Husband calls in. Husband, like, what are you spending money on? Blah blah blah. The whole, it's like a little baby, and then I realized, like, oh, that's comedy. Yeah, it's like this super fragile, and you get one fuck up, it all goes away. Yeah, I know. Bill Bill Burr is so fun to watch because he loves 
throwing it away and then gaining Getting it, it back, back just to show you how good he is. Yeah. <laughs> it's really impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. What do you think uh, – to get it back to video games, what do you think is the funnest, funniest video game you've ever played? Oh, I have an answer. I don't remember the name of this game and it was a snowboarding game. A snowboarding game? Yeah. SSX? Tricky? I don't I think SSX was the really popular one. I don't I'm trying to think of a snowboarding game that would be funny. There was a PS1 game called Cool Borders that had some satire in it. SSX was like over the top. But did you travel around to different countries in SSX on the unlocking? Uh, there's like four SSXs. So no, I don't think it was SSX. It was some one-off game that I. God, it was so well written and funny. Keep thinking, keep grabbing. I'm gonna look up funny. You could. I remember you could turn into uh, like a toboggan and like just toboggan or start riding a toboggan or a big sleigh or like a. The physics were really good. Of. Just uh, ragdolling around. It's not bringing up. It's not bringing up anything funny. Snowboarding game. Really? So, but the funniest game you've played was a snowboarding game. That is not what I was expecting. Because, like, how would you? How would you insert comedy into a snowboarding game? It was. It was super charming. Of uh, the the like the mountain manager guy was like this crazy pig guy with spring arms, and I, th- I think just puns and stuff it was just wacky like one-liners and i I remember playing the game and taking a step back and thinking wow this is very well written for what this game is do you remember what system it was for it was for one of the later ones maybe 360 let me uh see what i can find funny snow Boarding game Xbox. I need, I need my own personal. I need my own personal Jamie. Jamie. Sean White? No, definitely uh, not. Steep SSX Amped? I forgot about Amped. I think it was. It might have might have been Amped. Here, I'll show you some gameplay. I don't want your stupid ad. This look familiar? Amped? Yeah, that was Amped. Yeah, Amp was on 360, but this is Amp 3, so there was... I'm not familiar with this series at all. Now that I've seen it, I do remember seeing the covers at, like, video game stores. That looks a lot like the game I, I'm and he thinking is wearing of. a giant it might have been Amp 3. bunny suit. Yeah. yeah. I think it... It must have been Amp 3. That looks exactly like what I'm remembering. Amped. Yeah, that's a... Uh, it was... Yeah, that was, was a very, very funny game. And then an, another one I thought of while we were doing this... Uh, uh, earlier, earlier, very funny game, Earthworm Jim. Earthworm Jim, yeah. yes. That uh, you played on Genesis then, probably right? Cause yeah. You had Genesis, yeah. yeah. That game, I didn't get it as a kid. Totally, I've gone back and played it a few times. It is way more funny than I originally thought. Yeah, I went back and played it recently too, and appreciated it's extra things. It's it's really really good. I uh, as a kid, I just thought it was like. Like I put it in the ca- – I'm trying to put myself in a, a, my mindset as a kid. I would I would categorize things like, oh, this is one of those like Ren and Stimpy. Like it's just wacky to be wacky because right. I didn't understand like the humor. So I would put like Ren and Stimpy. 
um, what else would have been like? That's one that comes to mind. Uh, Pinky in the Brain. Right. Like I would kind of like, oh, it's one of those. And I didn't think it was that. The gameplay was awesome. I beat it anyway as a kid. But now looking back, there's a lot of things like that. Like I didn't think Calvin and Hobbes was funny. Now I read it, I'm like, oh, this is why it's legendary. It's so good. Everyone is yeah, – it's so good. I, I was obsessed with it as a kid. Yeah, you I, were smarter than me because I did not get it as a kid. No no video games, right? Calvin and Hobbes? I don't think there is a Calvin and Hobbes video game, no. No. Yeah, there's not definitely not a video game. The only comedy video game I can think of – there's been a bunch of South Park games, which if you – have you played uh, The Stick of Truth? No, I've never played the South Park games. Oh, uh, there's a so there's like there's a 64 South Park that I think was kind of big. I never played it, but I, I think it did well commercially. Yeah. And there's some other random South Park games, but on the 360 and the PS3, there it's it's like a JRPG where you have like turn-based battle systems, okay. but it's all South Park. And the the pre- the the premise is Cartman and his friends, they're like having a war and they make two factions, like wizards and gobble. I can't remember. And it's all make it's all made up. Like yeah. they're, it's in their head. But uh, it does things and it's pretty funny. Like at one point, let me just put it away. The finale, it's not a spoiler because it's been out forever. The finale of the game, the final dungeon of the game is you get shrunken down like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And you go up a gay man's asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and the deeper in the asshole you go, the more interesting things you find in <laughs> the asshole and they like there's like like webs of spooge and dildos and like it's yeah it, they, they go places I'm, i remember thinking like uh, they they're like in this real world where there's no out like south park has been so outrageous for so long and someone have a like trunk of trump effect like no one gives a shit no yeah. one like i i have a very what's what's the word like it's very hard to offend me. I thought the whole thing was funny, but there were parts in the game where I'm like, oh, this is like so <laughs> dirty. I feel a little uncomfortable. What, what, what system did it, was it out for again? The Stick of Truth? Yeah. South Park and the Stick of Truth is yeah, the yeah. game. Oh, no, no, what system? Oh, what? 360 and PS3. Then there's a new one called South Park and the Fractured Butthole, <laughs> which is the sequel to it. Um, I would recommend playing them if you like South Park humor. Look, I, I'm not a huge South Park fan, but... I thought the combination of like RPG and South Park would be interesting, and it, I definitely I beat it. It has a there's a lot that I didn't follow because I'm not a huge fan of the show, and I would go on Reddit later, and people would talk about like, oh, I love the Man Bear Pig part, okay. but I'm like I'm not familiar with Man Bear Pig, so I like all of that was over my head. But the other part, like <laughs> you get sh- before you go up the dude's butthole, you're also shrunk, and you're fighting battles. While your parents are having sex, and there's like dicks and balls <laughs> swinging on the bed, but you're small, and like if you don't dodge, his hairy balls will like come and hit you for a bunch of damage, and like they do crazy shit in that video game. The what's the first video game you remember? Curse words. Curse words. Ooh, probably Grand Theft Auto. Like Grand Theft the narrative, four? like the cutscenes, Grand Theft Auto Three on PS2. Okay, the, first, the, like, the top three. down. No, because one and two, Grand Theft Auto one and two were on PS one, and they were top down only. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto three was on PS two initially. I think it got ported to other systems. That was the first three D one, and you played Tommy Veretti was the main character, and like the game starts out, you just got out of jail, and you're looking for work. And, like, the very first cutscene, they just start dropping the F-bomb. Like, hey, Tommy, you fucking guy! Oh, shit! 
Oh, we get skits going down. You know, like 13 at the yeah. time. Like, yeah, baby. Give me those F words. Yeah, it feels good. I, I mean, on Genesis, there's a Charles Barkley basketball game where he yells, go get the damn ball. Really? And I don't remember Charles Barkley basketball on Genesis. It's like a street ball. Charles oh, Barkley yeah. Game. That is ringing a bell. He would say, damn. I said, damn, go get the damn ball. And it felt so naughty. Could not play in front of the parents, but didn't didn't want them to know I had this little treat here in Charles Barkley say damn. Yeah, that's a good word. Like, what's the earliest games that really, for language, man, there's probably, uh, there's probably earlier games that are more obscure that I wouldn't remember. Because the PC, those, like you, you mentioned, Monkey Island. Um, those adventure games were really like they didn't have voice acting, but it was all text. Right. I bet there's some adventure games with some bad language, like some more adult adventure games on PC that are way old. But I mean, like I, the first like game that made me feel like oh this is bad was probably Doom, because I grew up obviously religious, and I remember at my young men's leader. So he's like a for those of you who are not Mormon don't know about Mormonism. There's like a a guy appointed in your neighborhood to basically like do shit with young boys to kind of keep them <laughs> keep them from like fucking off too much yeah, like yeah. every week you go do an activity you like shoot guns or play basketball or whatever but one week it was just me and him and he had a pc and he's like ah you can come over to my house and uh play he knew like video games but i didn't have a pc at the time and he let me play doom and i knew about doom and i used the cheat codes and i played for like two or three hours it was actually Doom 2, and I got to the end, and I no-clipped. So the end boss is like, uh, you fight the so devil. So you played it for, you sat down and played for a while. Yeah, all, like all night. Like, he just like <laughs> let me play it. And he was, I think he knew my parents were kind of strict, and it was just like, yeah. ah, I'll let this yeah. kid have a little bit of fun. And he, and now that I'm an adult, he's like, yes, I don't have to fucking, like, it's Wednesday night. I don't want to go deal with seven 12-year-old right. boys. He's like, I'm just going to park this kid in front of my computer and get back to whatever I want to do. And when he's done playing, he can go home. Yeah. Like, he just left. I don't know, even know what he did. But I was in his – he had the computer in his bedroom, which was kind of weird. But <laughs> Looking at you through a hole in the wall. <laughs> yeah. So I was just hanging out in his bedroom and I played. And I had played Doom 1 now that I think about it. But I knew the, the cheat codes. Cause, like, for something like enter, no clip, god mode. And I just like blasted through the game, and I remember no clipping through the end bosses. The end boss on Doom Two is like basically fight the devil, and he's this big wall, and he has rocket launchers, and you no clip through the part where you're shooting, and there's a severed head on a stick, and I think it's John Carmack or one of the main programmers' head. But I remember like something about like behind the like the Doctor Oz moment, or Doctor is it Doctor Oz, the Wizard of Oz, the Wizard oh, yeah. of Oz moment behind the curtain, like oh it's actually a severed head. I didn't understand that it was an Easter egg. I thought it was, like, part of the lore of the game. Like, oh, this yeah. is controlled. The devil's actually, like, a head on a stick. And I remember thinking, like, this is evil. Like, I felt what I would call at the time as a kid, like, the influence of the devil. Like, I felt the spirit leave. And I was being naughty. And I'm, like, superstition kicked in. It's like, oh, no. Like, because I would hear things as a kid. Like, my my parents would say, if you play with a Ouija board or, like, if you play around with demonic stuff, you open the doors to that dimension. And now for the rest of your life, yeah. you're going to be haunted by demons. And I was scared that, like, I had gone down that path by playing this video game. And it really creeped me out because something about, like, I knew it was all, like, demons in hell and there's a severed like, – my mind couldn't make sense of it. So I thought it was, like, this mysterious, I don't know, like, like demonic something. 
I, remember, I got scared. Yeah, I remember similar things watching Doom for the f- first time. And yeah. it was bad. But it, it's funny thinking that looking at graphics now because it, yes. it looks like a bunch of blobs looks and like pixels a bunch on of the blobs. screen. Yeah. It, it doesn't seem like nightmare fuel at all. <laughs> I have my brother actually. Uh, have you played a game called Dishonored? It's sim- a little bit newer. I think no. Dishonored 1 came out on 360. The premise of the game is a guy comes to you. He's called The Outsider. And he's just like otherworlding. You could say he's a demon or a ghost or a, a demigod. But he appears to you and he grants you powers. And then as you progress through the game, it's one of those games where you can choose like the light path, which is like stealth and you don't kill anybody. You stun everybody. Yeah. Or you can take the chaos path where you kill everybody. And the, the farther down the path you go, the powers you get are different. And uh, the outsider is always like nudging you to go down the chaos path. It's like he's like kind of evil, and when he appears uh-huh. to you, he comes out of like dust and he's dark. Anyway, the point I bring up my brother also grew up super religious, and we we both kind of like have had what I would say legitimate mental health issues because of religion. Like I went to like a schizophrenic. This is a whole different story. Like a schizophrenic thought God was talking to me on my mission. Like way too literal, and my brain trying to. Anyway, my brother had similar things happen to him in his life. And uh, he was in a weird spot, and he was playing this game, Dishonored Two or Dishonored One, and he quit it because he f- he got so superstitious and creeped out by the premise <laughs> of like you're getting power from this otherworldly being, and that yeah. it's the devil. And he was he's like, I felt like my whole life was going to go evil if I continued to listen. It's just weird how video games can, under the right circumstance, like get that deep into your subconscious. Yeah. That he actually got scared about the out the outcome of his life as a whole if he continued to play this game. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, just, we I've laugh about watched, it now. I've but. never watched a movie that had that. Which movie? Oh, no, I've never like consumed another another medium that's ever that, made you feel like that. That's yeah. creeped you out that much. Yeah, I think video games is. I'm oh, so he's so, saying versus movies. For, yeah, 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 yeah. I see. I'm so surprised when someone says they don't. Well, no, I guess not surprise is the word, but I don't agree with anyone's reasons why they say they don't play video games. I, I think that's like saying it's, it's just such a good art medium that... There's something for everyone. Exactly. There is yeah. something for everyone. Yeah, because I think people write it off like, uh, you know, the traditional narrative of video games when we grew up was like a waste of time, makes you dumb. Now everything's been... I mean, and it was more niche. Video games definitely weren't as... Uh, I'll go back to that. Ma- they weren't as massive appeal as they are now. I think I read a stat. I don't know if it's this. Well, it was a 2016 or 17. But essentially, the video game economy is bigger than both uh, uh, movies and music combined. Like you take all the wow. money, or yeah. maybe it's one or the other. Maybe not combined, but it's up there. Like it's it's yeah. it's a it's a real player now. Where I think when we grew up. The market wasn't as big. There wasn't as much money being made as there is now. Because I think everyone – I think we're probably the last generation where there are people our age that just have written off video games completely. Because they associate it with nerds and they were a jock or whatever. And like it's all a waste of time. But I saw that growing up. Like my, my cousin was younger than me and he would make fun of me for playing video games a lot. And uh I remember going on my mission and coming back and he was into video games and being really like, wait, you play video games? I thought video games were like the dumbest thing on the planet in your eyes. But yeah, they once I think once someone gives it a shot and they can find a game that's the right – like I said, there's something for everyone. It will engage you in a way that – yeah, I, that can make you 
suspicious about your whole life because you feel like you're inviting the devil into <laughs> you. You know, like that, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I can't think of a movie. Now, nah, there's been some movies that creeped me out, but there's never been music that's done that to me. And there's never really been uh, there's been movies that creeped me out, but not like uh, made me scared for a month after. There's never been a movie that's done that to me. My brother-in-law just uh, he had never had video games at all his whole life, and I never no, never friends with anyone. And he bought a Nintendo Switch, and Breath of the Wild was his first game. Oh, and, and he beat it like beat the whole it. thing. Really, I think it really speaks to well how. How well, how well that game is made. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen him try to play other games, and he'll just get stuck in something that, like, some easy menu or game mechanic that you That's know. That's not intuitive to him. Exactly. Yeah. And then, but he started in Breath of the Wild and played it straight through. Loved it. And was like, I can't believe I've been missing out on video games my whole life. Yeah. That's a big game for... <clears throat> I, uh, I know it's an amazing game. I've tried it twice, and it hasn't stuck for me. But I've also seen that same pattern, whereas I've seen people who I don't normally associate as being a gamer get sucked into Breath of the Wild, which uh, means yeah. they did something. There's some intelligence. I saw one article about – it was only talking about how they designed the world visually so that no matter where you were at in the world and no matter where scenery or wherever lookout, it would like – appear symmetrical and it would look good and how they like they mapped out like every certain amount of square miles they need a triangle this high and it was all based on like what's gonna no matter where you're at it's gonna feel good and look good and that was just for the aesthetic of the scenery that same amount of uh thought went into every portion of that game and it shows i mean it's one of hey one game of the year last year i'm pretty sure yeah it's a really great charming game have you played it yeah i played it through and my that same brother, he said something I thought was interesting. He's playing that uh, that top-down Zelda new release on Link's Awakening. Yeah, yeah, he's playing that right now. I asked him how he's liking. He's like, Nah, I, I keep getting stuck and, and surprised. I was like, but you beat Breath of the Wild. He goes, Yeah, but when I got stuck on something there, I could just go somewhere else. Yeah, it isn't. It isn't like uh, clog you or like yeah, yeah. it's open world. I can go, go do something else and come back to it. Right. Whereas Link's Awakening, yeah, you get stuck on that dungeon. Well, you got to beat that dungeon because you have to get the item from that dungeon to the next dungeon. So you have no other option. That makes sense. Uh-huh. So he likes the uh, non-linear linear, linear, linearity. How do you say that? Linearity? Mm. Linearity? That's a hard, <laughs> like, that's a hard word to say. I like, I like the non-linearness. Linearity. The non-linearness yeah. of Breath of the Wild. He might like open-world games. He could. Um, there's some good open-world games that have come out recently, like Red Dead. Well, Red Dead 2 starts out linear you got to play like six hours before it like goes full open world. But something like a Grand Theft Auto, because you have the option of the, the main missions, then you have side missions, yeah. and then you can also just explore and whatever. He's got a switch, though. I, I read a, a thing recently of a, some psychologist or something talking about the part of Fortnite's popularity and games like it and anything open world. It, young boys especially have a need to wander. Mm. to explore and wander that makes sense and in like my ne- my nephew who's addicted to Fortnite he lives in Studio City he can't leave the house it's not like the old days where yeah. you send the kids out come back he can't ride his bike and just go wherever he wants he can't yeah. at all and it's, it's probably not the healthiest way to scratch that itch but but it's better than, it's probably better than not scratching it at all yeah right yeah for sure that's a good point yeah Fortnite is that uh it's uh what's the word there's like that free to play model 
There's a handful of juggernauts. World of Warcraft was one of the first ones. That's a, like a totally different yeah. type of game. But uh, that, that became this massive phone apps. Yeah, of, phone apps became yeah, it's uh, Apex Legends, Fortnite, yeah. League of Legends is the mobile. Paladins is another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paladins, uh, RuneScape is another one. Like I've I've heard kids like they get they get. Uh, I wonder what would happen if I, those games were available when I was that same age. I guarantee I would have got sucked in. Probably. Yeah. I, I hate that that model won out. Yes. I remember the first time I was offered a cosmetic purchase. <laughs> I, <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> it was yeah. such nonsense. Yeah. I, I thought that was the biggest joke and no one would ever buy it, but now it's the standard. It's insane. It's like the amount of money that Fortnite – I mean what's interesting about Fortnite is Fortnite started out as a, a Cliff Blazinski. He's the guy that did Gears of War. He was kind of like a – in the early 2000s was one of those sort of pop culture icons in the gaming community. Yeah, I remember. He had like a loud B, yeah. personality. Yeah. Fortnite started out as one of his games. Him and uh, Epic were together for a long time because he did all the Gears of War. And it started out as like a strategy, like tower defense, almost like RTS element game. Then it was in development hell forever. Then it switched over. Then they had this big split and he left. And then it got re... Basically, it ended up getting repurposed into what became the hit. And it's weird how... That that game, it's like so many people are out there trying to get the next Fortnite, the next World yeah. of Warcraft, and for every hundred, hundred of them will fail, and then they have one. And I don't know what the number is. Fortnite brings in like billions and billions and billions of dollars a year. Uh, last I heard, it was three hundred million a month. A month? Yeah. Jesus Cristo! For digital backpacks and <laughs> for cosmetics yeah you know it's crazy like the game i think the games are obviously expensive to develop and then moderately expensive probably to maintain and keep the servers up but once that's done for to pay a designer to model a new backpack and then put it live and then it's you can nothing. sell that indefinitely to the end of time yeah yeah i can see why that that model is they're just they're they're scrooge ducking it they're diving into their what yeah and what What's such a bummer, though, is that it changes the motivation of let's make the best game possible to let's increase time time on game. Yes, and that's and you don't do that by making the best game. When I play it, I it takes me like three or four games to get the weapon loadout that I want. That you want, yeah, and that's on purpose because if I could hop in real quick, play the game that I want to play. And leave. I'm not going to sit in the item shop or whatever. That's a good point. I think there is a small, or I would even say small, a moderate pushback. Because Sony, uh, the PlayStation definitely won out. Like Microsoft won't even release the numbers of the Xbox One. That's how bad they are. They're they're really cagey about how many units they've actually pushed. Like Sony murdered Microsoft this generation. Whereas PS3 and 360, it was like way more competitive. And there's there's some there's different reasons for that, but one of the reasons is uh, Xbox this generation had very few exclusives, like like hard hitting exclusives. Whereas PS4 has multiple Game of the Years that are PS4 exclusives. You have God of War. You just had Death Stranding. You have the Uncharted series. You have Last of Us. And the list goes on and on. And those are all single player, like the opposite of Fortnite. And they make bazillions of dollars. They they sell. But the problem with that is. Like, other than DLC, and then some of them, like, Last of Us 1 did have a multiplayer component to it. And I think, but there was no, like, pay for cosmetics. I don't know. Yeah, so I, 
there there is a market there, right? Because God of War right. sold like sixty million copies at sixty dollars a price, right? Yeah. Made a shit ton of money. But over the lifespan, Fortnite's going to dwarf that. Like, it still doesn't compare to three hundred million a month mm-hmm. for the next. How long do you think Fortnite's going to last for? Ten years? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Who yeah. knows? Yeah. So you're right. Like there is a market for like making the best game and the best experience possible, and you can make a lot of money doing that. But now I, did, I, did, I was thinking in real time. I threw the math. Like, okay, so let's say they sold they sold sixty million copies. You know, half of them were sold in the beginning at sixty dollars. Let's say the average price of that sixty million was like a thirty five dollar price tag. They got to pay the your platforms, your publishers, and everything. What is what is the studio? What does everyone make? It's not. It wouldn't equal out to be three hundred million a month for five years, probably. No. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's just ungodly amount of money. Yeah. Have you have you heard uh, Netflix say they saw Fortnite as one of their biggest competitions? Oh, because they're just worried about like eyeballs on a screen. Yeah. Yeah. Because instead of. So the question is, is like, does ne- I've had this thought, like, does Netflix make any more money by me wa- spending screen time? I'm already paying for the, the subscription. So if I'm playing for Fortnite, if I'm playing Fortnite, but I'm not canceling my Netflix subscription, why does that hurt them? I, I guess it's just the worry that worry that you're playing so much Fortnite you might cancel that you, yeah, like, oh, I don't use this anymore. Yeah, I, I guess because otherwise, because I have thought about that, like Netflix rates like the uh, back to video game, The Witcher. I don't know if you've played The Witcher, but The Witcher series, the the TV adapt. I haven't played it, but I just plowed through that. I plowed through special, it too, like special. a day and a half. Yeah, it's, it's fucking awesome, yeah. and I'm and it's even better if you're uh, played the games because one thing about that series is they don't do really well. Like they sort of expect you to understand the lore and the world. They don't really explain a whole lot. About like what witchers are and the the places and the politics, it kind of just, and that's the biggest complaint I've seen people. But and then the multiple timelines, like once you realize like oh, different stories are not at the yeah. same time. But my brother who hasn't played the games loved it. He's like, I like where they don't hold my hand. I like that I have to pay attention to every line of dialogue and sort of piece things together and figure out like oh, he's like he realized in episode two that Geralt's timeline was not the same as Siri. And he's like, that's one of my favorite parts. Like oh, I get it. But uh, I don't know why I was talking about The Witcher. Why were we talking about The Witcher? Uh, Fuck. The, the Witcher game. Uh, the Witcher game. It. We were talking about Fortnite and uh, money and first party. DLC? DLC. It, Witcher does have a great DLC. Now, I forget remember. I brought up. I brought up the TV show. Damn it. Oh, well. I lost it. The Witcher 3 is awesome, which the game is kind of later than the TV show. But uh, damn, I wish I could remember why we fucking started talking about The Witcher. Son of a bitch. We were talking about Fortnite making a jillion dollars, single-player games making a lot but not enough, and then you were talking about time spent. Oh, we were talking about Netflix. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's okay. We were talking about Netflix. Why would Netflix be worried about me playing Fortnite as long as I'm paying? Oh, this was the point I was trying to make. So Netflix doesn't make any more money if I'm spending more time watching, right? This is a, yeah. In fact, they're almost losing money. It's almost like they're, they're losing money because their their hard costs go yeah. up. And they were. I remember reading about The Witcher, the TV show, that it has one of the highest engagement rates out of all Netflix shows. Like something like seventy percent of people who started it watched the whole show, 
And that's right. how they measure success. Like, oh, this is a great show. We're going we're gonna to green light it for season two. We're going to spend more money. I'm like, that's awesome. I like The Witcher. I want more Witcher. But then I was thinking about it. I'm like, but why does it really matter if people watch it all? Like, if I spend all my day watching Netflix versus only one hour a week watching Netflix, the amount of money they make is better. But I guess the question is, if there's not enough good stuff, if every show sucks with a low engagement rate, maybe I will cancel eventually yeah so yeah that makes sense so they want the more witchers they have the higher chances that i'll never cancel my subscription right but there might be there might like you said there might be a uh threshold point where if you watch too much like if everybody watched netflix all day every day like every member right say all 20 million people that have netflix watched it all day and they had the highest resolution the highest resolution and they were blown through bandwidth and their servers were overheating they probably wouldn't like that yeah probably not they yeah they just wanted to be the faster not the uh, premier time wasting yeah yeah, exactly. The premier time premier time waster they want to they want to it sounds like they want to solidify they want to get more people paying a monthly, and they want to lock people in so they never cancel. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to start going, uh, switching per month Hulu for a month, Netflix for just cancel and resubscribe, yeah. resubscribe, or or switch like plow through all of Hulu's content, do Netflix's content. Oh, like the things you plow through yeah. everything you like, yeah. cancel, yeah. get a new one, plow through everything you like. Yeah. That's what I told my my dad. Uh, I just told him to get Disney Plus for one month, watch The Mandalorian. Now that all the episodes are out, all eight are yeah. out, and then cancel it. I'm like, there's nothing else on there that you're going to want to watch other than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Have you tried Xbox or have you heard of Xbox Games Pass? No. It's the Netflix of uh, – it's basically Netflix for video games. It's not Stadia or Stadia. Google Stadia is where you're streaming live from their data service, so you don't actually have the console. Is that the, viable yet? Or is, if you have really good internet, I yeah. hear it's badass. Like I have really good internet here. I'm thinking about getting it because like people say if you have great internet, you push the controller and you just have like a, you just have like a little dongle that goes into yeah. your HDMI port and a controller. That's it. That's the whole system. And they say you push the controller, you hit the game, and it's already like there's no loading because it's all run on their state-of-the-art servers. And if you have good internet, the the lag is is doable. But Xbox Games Pass is like the midway point. You still download the game and install it on your actual hard drive or your Xbox, but you pay five bucks a month and you have access to like 300 games and they're always adding new games. That's and, cool. Uh, I think that's the future. I remember as a kid uh, – Half magical summers where we had a blockbuster games pass. And I think it was fifty or sixty bucks, and for the summer you could go in and switch out games as often or as infrequently was it like as you a, wanted. Like, wasn't it like a three a week? Or they had some limit, I think. Maybe this Hollywood I, Video had a. I didn't have the blockbuster one, but I had the Hollywood Video equivalent, and there was a limit. I don't remember what it was, but I remember getting. I have one memory of getting turned down. Like I had to wait. A day to like go back and get the next game. Yeah, I don't remember a limit. There might have been one, but seemingly no limit of changing. And sometimes I'd keep one of the games for like two weeks before yeah. you beat it. And that was great. Blockbuster was great, or I guess Hollywood Video here and Hollywood Video yeah. was. We had a mix of those were the two main ones. I think the the Thomas Winkley, who's the Street Fighter pro player said that there is like one blockbuster still in existence 
like out east and like some and it oh, actually makes cool. a shit ton of money for some weird reason and there's and there's a, also you said there's a not blockbuster but a video rental store in Salt Lake that actually does really really well cuz there's still like a I guess Enough people out there that want that experience. Yeah, that could be like a fun yeah. date night thing. Look yeah, at the covers and pick a movie. Walk the aisles. Yeah. Like, look at all the, you know, that was definitely part of the experience. What did you? Can you think of a game that you rented multiple times? Mm, that's a good question. Most of my memories. Yeah, so I right around like fourteen or fifteen. I got to the point, speaking of wandering, I was allowed to ride my bike all the way to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video and rent games. Yeah, and I would rent – that's when I started renting games that I knew I shouldn't play, like Grand Theft Auto. I couldn't yeah. keep them at home because if they found it, they'd take it away. But it's like I could rent it for a weekend. So yeah, Grand Theft Auto 3, the first one on PS2 was one of them. A game called Loaded on PlayStation 1. So it's a top-down shooter. Did you ever play – uh, what's what would be equivalent? Do you ever play Smash TV on Super Nintendo or Genesis? No, it's like Loaded con- sounds familiar to me though. Yeah, Smash TV was probably like a, the biggest cult classic. It's like Contra, you know, Contra side scroller. Yeah. So imagine Contra, but the viewpoint of Zelda, like top down. Right. And you just like you can you shoot three sixty. You can spray. Yeah. And you go through like different rooms and challenges, and they send enemies. Well, there was a game like that on PS One called Loaded, and the first time. I was with my brother. Speaking of ESRB, we went, and I was a, such a little tattletale bitch, such a dumb little brother. Sometimes I feel bad <laughs> for my brothers and sisters because I was like all in Mormon, like I want to be the good kid. Sure. And I got rewarded for being the good kid, and my bro- I rented a game that was teen. I was old enough to get it, and my brother rented a game called Loaded, and it was mature. And it was I could tell it was like twisted metal sort of aesthetic. Like all the guys had like scary masks on, mm-hmm. and they're bloody, and it was. You played a psychopath that escaped from prison and you'd kill everybody on like Sweet. that comes to existence. Yeah. It's badass. And I wanted to check it out, so I didn't say anything when the, like I knew it was mature when my brother picked it up. But my I grew up divorced. well, my parents are my brother has a different both my brothers have a different mom. So I'd only hang out with my brothers on visitation, which was like every other weekend my brothers would come and hang out with me. And they had kind of like different rules because they weren't full time living with uh, me and my parents. Right. And so I didn't say anything, and I knew my dad wouldn't check because he's just like he knows me. I'm, I'm gonna pick out a game that I can rent. So my brother rents this game. We, we all play it. But then I once I play it and got some fun. I had some fun playing it. Then I told on my brother, <laughs> <laughs> like an oh. asshole. Like he rented a mature. Did you know, Dad? Did you know? Yeah, take that. And then you know, and he beat my ass my whole life. So I I, I got payback for it, but. I ended up renting that game later because it was cool. That's yeah. the memory because I was like, okay, I can't buy this game, but I know it's dope. I know it's mature. And I, my brother already rented it once and it was fun. So now it's worth renting again, but I can't get it because it's, it's mature. So yeah, that was that was one. I rented it like three or four times because I wanted to beat it with every character. Yeah, so just imagine top down like – everything's like in an insane asylum or a prison and guards come after you and you get different weapons and every time you kill someone it's like it's like blood splattering and guts and his his badass yeah that's for some reason you just made me think of we had a a moses game that was the only game we were allowed to play on sunday that i didn't have a moses game but i did have a book of mormon game on pc a book of mormon pc game a book of mormon you played as nephi and you had a like 
Lehi has to do, this is if you, those who are not Mormon, you can just skip ahead. This we're not going to understand anything. But for those who are, you play the whole beginning of the Book of Mormon. Well, like jumping around and moving, like no, click- it's top down like Zelda. Okay, and like so, and it was more like a fetch quest. So it's like <laughs> Lehi has his dream. We need to prepare to go out to the wilderness. So yeah. You got to like go to, to the shop. You got you need to get rope. Then you got to go get like supplies for the tent. Sick. And then you get everything. <laughs> then you go to like to the wilderness. Layman and Lem, you rebel. Then you got to like build the boat and all that. Did shit. you fight or shoot at all? No, there was not that I remember. I didn't get very far. It was boring as shit. It was a Book of yeah. Mormon game, but same thing. I could play it on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. That's why I played that Moses one so much. What did you do in the Moses game? Do you, you remember what it's called? I don't at all. But you shot W's at people that stood for words. <laughs> the, the more you the advanced, <laughs> yeah, the more you advanced Moses, the further his W's would go. What a system was it on? I think it was Genesis. Genesis. Th- there's a chance that might have been Nintendo. You had a Genesis, though, so that's probably a higher likelihood. I can't believe I've never heard. A Moses game on Genesis. Moses game Genesis. There's an auto feel for it. Bible Adventures? Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is one. That's. Does this look familiar? Oh, I also I also had this one. I was trying, and I remember if you. So this uh, yeah, is like, yeah, this yeah. is baby Moses, and she's yeah, this she's, is baby uh, Moses. Then taking I th- him away from the Egyptians, trying to kill him. And I think if you go further, it gets to a top-down mode. But I remember on this part, if you jumped in the water with baby Moses on your head, he like stays floating, and it looks it was like a game glitch that me and my friends laughed at every time we did it. Exodus. So I also had this game. Is this a different game? Yeah, this is a, this is called Exodus Journey. Uh, Exodus Journey to the Promised Land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is this the one you're thinking of. This is the one I was thinking of, and I'm pretty sure I got to the Promised Land. You made it all. Yeah, this looks like. Uh, oh yeah, he's shooting W's. He's got the white beard. For those of you who are, uh, are listening or really can't see, I don't do video anymore because it's too much damn work. It's like uh, it looks kind of like Minesweeper. Like with gray blocks or like Bomberman. Yeah. And Moses is like, you play this old man and he, he has a wand. What are the M's for? There's like these uh, M- mana. I think it's mana. Man- oh, yeah, mana. Yeah. Mana, yeah. It's weird. It's kind of top down, but there's a physics to things falling from the. It, it looks like Zelda, but it's. It almost is like a side scroller, too. Yeah. Because the background has like parallax effect. It's got gravity like a side-scroller. It's got gravity like a side-scroller, but it's top-down. Things fall from the top from the top to the bottom, but it looks like you're playing a top-down view like Zelda. Yeah, it does. that is weird. I'd never heard of this game. So that's what you played on Sunday. Yeah, I've, I've probably clocked so many hours in this terrible game. <laughs> just, <'cause, laughs> just have to play video games, any video game. Sundays, man, if you grow up, uh, I mean, it's not just Mormonism. Can I hit that pen? Oh, um, yeah. If I, I don't know if other Christians are like, I know other Christians can get pretty intense about about Sundays, but dude, Sundays as a Mormon kid are a drag and a half. Church is like, <sighs> I, I went to my brother. My brother works for a the one in Detroit works for like a rock band Christian church. Does sound for him? Yeah, and I'm 
like that is so much more entertaining. Like I don't. I went just recently, and like I legitimately kind of got inspired. Like they got they get into some Jesus stuff that wasn't my thing, but I was entertained. I left feeling like I'm going to be a better person. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, yeah. Mormonism is Mormon church is like you got to leave people wanting more. Yeah, <laughs> which doesn't happen with three hours of church. And it's it's so like the culture is like quiet. Yeah. Very somber. Everything's serious and droney. And uh, and then so you'd you'd drone you'd like drag your way. I remember I got really good at sleeping with my hands on my cheeks, my elbows yeah. on my yeah. thighs, head, and then you could kind of like lean your head on the pew mm-hmm. in front, like your forehead, and you could find this position where your elbows and your forehead where nothing was too like heavy, and you could fall asleep. I got really good at falling asleep sitting down. Then you'd get home, and if your family's like hardcore Mormon, you can't do anything all day can't watch tv can't play video games can't go anywhere can't watch movies you can't watch oh, yeah. movies oh, yeah. tv or movies yeah and every family is a little bit different but yeah video games were off limits unless it was like a church a church yeah my nephi game i could play did, did you sneak phone games in as soon as those started existing snake yeah i played a lot of snake but then the problem is is like leaders would would crack down on it they'd give you shit or if you did it all the time they'd tell your parents like he's on his phone every week in young men's <laughs> your son just plays that video game i i had one phone i forgot what kind of phone this was it was one of the earlier colored phones and it had this mini golf game that we would pass between the whole like the whole crew the whole the, crew yeah, of like yeah. seven kids and through the three hours of the day we'd all pass we could it, you could put in like six or seven people into a mini golf game have, what phone was? I don't remember a mini golf game. It was. Was it a flip phone or was it no. early, before iPhone? Before like the full smartphone? Well, but well before the full smartphone thing. And what I remember is one of the first phones with Bluetooth, and it had a colored screen. Not. It was. It was one of those. It wasn't nearly as big as like the Razor, but it had some sort of name like that. Yeah. Like some sort of branded thing, and it was hot for a quick second, and then. Yeah, Snake was a big one because all the Nokia like. Cheap phones had Snake. I don't remember a disc golf game. There were some people that had uh, uh, blue blackberries, black blueberry yeah. blackberries, yeah, blackberries, and those would have. It's like rich kids would have blackberries. Oh yeah, and, and they would have games on those. That brick breaker on bla- yeah, blackberries is infamous. What a what would you say growing up? I've, ne- I've never, I've never, uh, what's the word? Viewed you as like a gamer, gamer. Like you casually played games. You weren't like anti games. Would you say between movies, music, and games, what did you geek out more growing uh, up? Definitely games. Games, yeah. Okay. And for a, a long time, as a kid, I liked games so much that I assumed that's what I was going to work in when I was older. And then I, I think as I got older, I never heard a good tale from someone who worked in the video game industry. <laughs> that industry is full of people getting taken advantage of. I yeah. mean, that's just the way. Yeah, it is. It's kind of sucky how that shaked out. It might get better. What? Uh, so if you could rank... Uh, so you, what's your most impactful gaming memory? Like, whether it was a game made you laugh, cry, like uh, what game... like. Not only just sucked you in the most, but manipulated your emotions the most. Oh, um, probably Braid. Braid? Yeah. Wow, that's the time time travel one, right? Side-scrolling. Uh, yeah, yeah, side-scrolling, puzzle one. Xbox One, or 360 indie game. Yeah, I got it first for 
Xbox indie, yeah. And it for, for kind of randomly though, ran, the main character's name is Tim. Oh, okay. So immediately uh, there's a little. That's yeah. probably my deepest like schizophrenic. I think this is in my head. Oh, game where and I was also going while I played it. I was going through a breakup at the time, and it's like about this guy and his thing with his princess. I was like so overly embarrassingly yeah. deep in my head about yeah the parallels <laughs> with the, the very emo gaming. <laughs> you went full emo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was a. Uh, I haven't played that game, but I remember reading an article that the the meta the sort of overarching arc of the game was sad. Yeah, and I mean, the the I remember the last level especially you are you and your, the princess is running side scrolling and she's kind of like on a different level than you and you need to open up these doors and stuff so that and it's like you're helping her and then you finish the whole thing and then it plays in reverse where you see like the truth was she was trying she was, to get away from you. She was trying to get away from you. Yeah, and you and you keep like stalking her down. Yeah, yeah, and it, the, like the twist just messed and with it, my head. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was really. You didn't great. see it coming, so yeah. It, like, yeah. And and then I, I was drawing the parallels with like with my breakup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was this uh, the one girl that uh, you went to the counseling with? No, no, no. Okay, because I remember that being yeah. like drama. This was because I re- did. You play it. I remember going to your house. And uh, playing Castle Crashers, when uh, and we did oh. TMT and played Castle Crashers. Oh, that's right. In the long, he had like the yeah. long, like skinny room. Yeah, and it had like weird animals on the walls, or maybe that's from the DMT. But I remember there was like <laughs> green and like painted animals or something on your wall. Was the room painted weird? Maybe that's just the visuals. I'm getting a little. Oh, oh, when I, at Sam's house, it was. Was it Sam's house or in Orem? You lived right by. Was- Todd, like yeah. down the street. Yeah, I was yeah. living in a weird, like lofty room. Yeah, it was like a long, yeah. skinny room. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I didn't, I didn't remember that, but I remember us first hanging out over uh, Modern Warfare Two. Yeah, we, we yes, we gamed over, <laughs> and we we bonded over smoking weed too. Because again, like Utah at the time. It was like a, you're in like a different underground club. <laughs> you get excited. Right. You get like excited. You, you, you give a few hints of someone who you think might be cool. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. The, they answer in kind. And, and then it, I remember uh, we, I remember playing Modern Warfare 2 and we got so high. And I remember being embarrassed because I like couldn't even see the screen and keep track of what's <laughs> going on. And I was like, this guy's going to think, I don't know, I can't hold my shit together. I can't even play. I'm so high. But yeah, I, I remember us geeking out on Modern Warfare. And that, I liked Modern Warfare 1 and 2. I kind of fell off. But I played more with Roy and that crew later because that's the game they liked. Yeah. I liked those games. But yeah, Modern Warfare, and 2, Modern Warfare 2 was the best one for me out Same, of that series. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I wish they'd remaster that and release it on Switch. I'd on would, Switch would be amazing. I'd never buy it. You have a Switch, sounds like? Yeah, that's that's the only game I've had for the last or system I've had for the last three years. What are you and playing it, right now? Uh I just I just bought uh Super Hot. Super Hot. Yeah, I've heard good things about that. It's fun. I've heard it's good in VR as well. Yeah, I'm sure it's ama- amazing VR. But time only moves when you move. When so you move, you, yeah. You can do these really cool um long scenes where you assassinate a bunch of people it's it's a lot like and they put this arc of story on it where it's kind of like portal where the game's kind of because like portal it's almost more of a tech demo than a 
than a full fleshed out game. Yeah. yeah. And they kind of make it a game by having this meta storyline of yeah. like you're stuck in the game and it, it was yeah, really I, good. Uh, that, I do a pod like uh, – we don't even air it. I have a group of homies every year after Christmas. We get together and go over our top 10, 20 games and just recommend games yeah. for the year. And two guys bought up super hot this year just like two days ago. They said their only complaint was it's too short. It's only a few hours to beat. But uh, I've heard people say really good stuff about it. I didn't know it was on Switch. Yeah, it, Switch is getting Switch a lot is of getting cool indie stuff. Yeah. yeah. What else are you playing on Switch? Uh, Breath of the Wild was my favorite thing I played on it. Um, I played too much Fortnite. On the Switch? Yeah. And I, I played a decent bit. And uh, How does it play on the Switch? It's fine. It, it's really impressive. How, there's so many things I hate about the game. I, I don't think more defense makes a game more fun. Like more the, defense, the, yeah, like more the, defense abilities. Yeah, you start yeah. shooting at someone in Fortnite. They build a wall, and they can just hole in. Yeah, like, I think it's funner when you can just. Yeah, I don't. I don't think more defense adds to it, but it's a really it's a snappy game, and it runs really well on. Like hmm. it's amazing they can have that game run on phones. It's on everything. Else, it's on right? everything. It's on everything. Yeah, now. and it looks great. Isn't it for, cross play? Like all platforms can yeah. play against each other. Yeah. Should you accept? Yeah. But you can you can say like I only want to play with other Switch. Do you have the option to say I only want to play with other Switch players? Uh, they, I don't think I can put only Switch players. But you can do they, console. They automatically group Switch with just uh, and the mobile guys, which is fun because you play against very bad people on a Switch. I've heard it controls surprisingly well on the phone as well i see people playing yeah. on the phone and every i haven't tried a, a proper phone game in a long time i just don't game on the phone ever if i'm gonna game i'm gonna game on my rig whatever but uh I've, i remember trying a few first person shooter and third person shooter games where like you had the virtual thumbsticks and yeah. thinking like this will never work like this is so bad but people say on the phone fortnite plays awesome yeah, I've seen videos of guys who are compete with the pros on the touchpad. Um, <clears throat> that's that's good. I wish there was a better shooter though for me to play on the Switch. Doom, the new Doom 2016 is on Switch. Yeah, but uh, I like multiplayer online shooter. Uh, I don't know what I. It does have a multiplayer mode, but I don't know if it's that popular or how many people would be on it. Uh, Mario Kart. I'm trying Do to you play online on uh, Smash. I love Smash. I bought Smash, and I, I don't play it. My my Marina Wi-Fi is rarely fast enough that it lets me in. And, yeah, I didn't take the Smash. I bought Smash thinking I was going to play it all the time. I don't play that much. Hmm. You should get it. I would give it a second go. I think yeah. Smash I think Smash is one of – we were talking about earlier about niche. Like, Smash is one of the – Smash? Smash? Smash is one of the, like – it has a high mass appeal. It's easy to pick up and play. Yeah. But it's also like it, – it is the it is the – I think Thomas, the Street Fighter Pro, said it, it's bigger than any other fighting game competitively as far as uh, cash prizes, like right. the pots. It, 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 it plays really well for newcomers to just have fun. It's also – but it's also one of the biggest competitive esports as far as mm-hmm. fighting games go. Like it's up there with Street Fighter, which is the, the King Kong. I think part of the problem, I bought it r- right at release, and I'd never played another Smash before, uh, and I jumped online. Well, just, I, I played them before, but just like at a party. Yeah, at like a party. For a night. I'd never owned another Smash, and everyone online just destroyed me. Just fucked me. you up. Yeah. yeah and I guess it's because 
they were it's so much like the old games that they yeah. could hop in. And, they have all the accumulative experience from the previous games. Yeah. Yeah. The Smash is like that like I recently at uh at that same party we played Halo. We played GameCube Smash at the end. And I've never played GameCube Smash, but I played the one on Wii U a lot. Excuse me, Wii. Uh Brawl, Smash Brawl on the Wii, like hours and hours because it was a game when I sold uh, alarms. That's what we come home and like yeah. play that all night with like my roommates or whatever. And uh, I never played on GameCube, but I marked everybody. And the GameCube was like a little different. My timing was off, but like the like you said that this, they have all the, the concepts are similar enough that all those all that experience on the Wii. Like I, once I got a couple games under my belt, I just murdered everybody. Yeah. So I could see that even though it's a brand new game. It's not like you're playing other people who have no idea how to play Smash. They're fucking good at Smash already. Right. Yeah, that could yeah. be brutal. Yeah. yeah, I'll I'll get I'll get that going again. Um, and then I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm playing Skyrim right now too. How is that run on the on the Switch? The videos online great. like it seems pretty decent. Yeah, yeah, it's totally fine. I never played. You got way into Skyrim. Now go back to that same time. You originally didn't you play a lot of Skyrim on the 360? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, and then I'm I'm playing it now a lot. Um, I'm writing out a, a scripted thing for my YouTube channel of the old guy playing of Joe playing Skyrim. Skyrim, and we're doing it like Mystery Science Theater 3000, like script, scripted heckling. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, where the two guys sit in the front and they talk shit. On yeah, the, and they talk yeah. shit on the movie, but yeah. obviously they've watched the movie a bunch of times and wrote and like had these jokes. perfect, yeah, like shit talking moments. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's what we're. It's, it's going to look like Joe's playing it real time, but he's just shit talking the whole time. Shit talking the yeah. game as he plays it. That's yeah. a good idea. I was thinking like, all right, if you wanted to grow your YouTube channel, how like because you're, you're kind. With that skit, you'd be pick you'd be piggybacking off Skyrim, right? And doing things like that. Another skit where every episode you're piggybacking off something because like the hashtags or whatever mm-hmm. the search someone types in like Skyrim, they they come across it because of Skyrim. It's funny, and then a certain percentage of those people might convert into fans for the other content, right? Yeah, yeah that's a good a good move. Think- up till now, we've gotten zero. Uh, assistance from the Google or the YouTube algorithm. Yes, and, and that is a huge part in yeah. growing an audience. And if you did more stuff, like that's why, uh, like, have you seen all the videos that do music reaction videos? Where guys like listen I, to music. I've seen that before. Yeah, and there's this there's there's a handful of dudes that have huge followings, and the re, uh, you're piggybacking off the bands that you're reviewing because yeah. that ends up. I mean, that's that's how that's also how I make money on like, yeah, you should definitely. It's good to be full on creative, mm-hmm. but I think that if you if you took that perspective into mind with your ideas, like a Skyrim is a perfect one because you're gonna get traffic because it's a because Skyrim's in the episode, right? And then, and then whether it's like making fun of celebrities or political trends or whatever, like that's I think that I don't think you should do that as like your main thing because it would take the soul out of the the show. Right, but maybe every ep- like every couple episodes, or you just, or if you can find something that actually inspires you, but also has like some sort of brand recognition that you can get some viewership, might accelerate your growth. We got a big jump of subscribers. It took us from like f- early on, like four or five thousand to twelve thousand by uh, doing 
doing a duo with a Fortnite gamer. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. And, and not a pro Fortnite guy, but he um he has like a he he does short clips like comedy Fortnite videos. Yeah. Kind of the 16-year-old British kid and we did a couple duos with him. He's got 2 million subscribers. So that you got a lot of carryover from yeah. that. Yeah. The the problem with it is, is, is they're mostly literally twelve year twelve year old <laughs> nine year old kids. They don't exactly understand satire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a good thing. But you know, the good thing about that is, for the ones that do understand satire, you might be like I said, that magic age between yeah, twelve to seventeen. True. Yeah, you might be their god. You know, <laughs> yeah. but you might be the one that pops their cherry that blows their mind. You know, like take it yeah. exposes them to like another oh, level this of exists? comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might be like the Nirvana that introduces them to grunge music. But <laughs> this is kind of a, an aside. So I run social media accounts that looks like it's Joe the old guy on it. And you have a whole persona behind. Yeah, yeah and he's yeah. got this whole creepy persona, and I do the comments in his voice and stuff. And um, the, these nine-year-old kids send Joe things. These these kids are not as innocent as, as you. <laughs> as the, Wait, are you trying to blame children for being molested? Is this where you're headed with this? <laughs> it's their fault. <laughs> I'll tell you, the, the people asking Joe, "Do you want? When can I come to your boat? I want to sleep over." And they're not serious, but they want to entrap this old but guy. So they they get the gig. Yeah, they get the joke, and they're playing into the joke. Yeah, and too much. Like too much. Old man Joe, do you want feet? They don't say, but like Joe, do you want feet pic feet, feet pictures of me <laughs> from like a nine year old? Wow, that kind of creeps me out that they understand enough about sexual fetish. Yeah, and all that. There's, not, ugh. there's a lot of nuance to understand. To there's a lot of nuance. <laughs> or there's a lot of things you. Yeah, creepy. That kid. would also, if you could find a way to work that into a. Like that's a that's like a Chappelle level bit of like controversy. Oh, I'm gonna oh, def- yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try to blame children for being molested. Yeah, like that's the concept. Like you know what I mean? You could do it. I think there's a way you could do it where you could take people along and it, it would end up working out. Because I mean, if you really think about like the same thing with Tony Hinchcliffe, like his whole premise was I'm defending Kevin Spacey f- for molesting uh, boys. Yeah, and he did it in a way where you were laughing and it was like. My my favorite bits make like sixty percent of the audience laugh, twenty percent of the audience hate you, and like twenty percent don't even get it. Yeah, like, I yeah. think that's the best joke. But you have the mass appeal; most yeah. people get it, and then they appreciate it. Yeah, for how funny it's like. I loved on the new Chappelle special when he was he was talking about abortion, and the the punchline was something along the lines of, "If you haven't it's not, see it, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to ruin it." But it's like, if you can abort the baby, if you had the right to abort the baby, then I had the right to abandon it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, that actually is a fair point. And he's defending a band, like, and it works. Uh But it's also like, it shouldn't work. But yeah, I think you could do that. It'd be a little tricky, but I think I think the concept of blaming kids. I think the concept of 2020 children aren't as innocent as they were in 19. 40 yeah and like they might they might be uh because you know there's that whole controversy about like uh especially in in back to mormonism like uh what's it not is it chastity but the what do they say modesty the term is modesty and like women like you know placing the blame on women for dressing like and attracting rapists and attracting Mm -hmm. creepy dudes there's all that like 
sort of you could mirror all that controversy <laughs> but just swap out <laughs> like we're laughing because you we know it could be funny like I, neither yeah. one of us really think a child should be blamed <laughs> for being molested but it's also true like you said i can see a nine-year-old in 2020 a 10-year-old is going to be different like uh, uh our mutual friend sam was saying like he's surprised that uh like super young girls he was on tinder he's our age but like in their early 20s, how um, how dirty and immediately and how quickly yeah. and, like, the way they say things. And he's like, this is different than when I was in college. It's, like, a wholly different ball, totally different ball game. Yeah. And I'm sure you can attest to that, too. Like, And that's going to translate to kids. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> they... These kids, they live inside Instagram chatting all day. All day, yeah. The the way that we did AIM, like get home and, yeah. and just chat all day, they have that going in Instagram and they add Joe to these groups. and So he can see these groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then as soon as they start, sometimes I'll jump in and just... Like fuck around and f- play. Yeah, yeah, fuck around. And usually there's someone like, what are you even doing here, creep? they they know that power that they have yeah 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 they're they're aware of much like you said more nuance than you would give a typical 10 year old to be aware of like i can get this adult like yeah it's like that south park episode where they get all the parents out of town by saying they got molested i haven't seen that one but that's a great premise yeah (laughs) (laughs) like they, they know that there's i think in the episode they didn't even know what that meant they just but they just oh we can it's a magic word yeah yeah say they got molested that's a that kind of creeps me out like i have i have two little kids like my thought is if it's possible i might be like that dick amish parent it's not even for religious reasons i'm not gonna put it because of god or the prophet or you're gonna you're a sin just i'm not gonna let him do the social media thing oh yeah it's not healthy it's like especially girls yeah like i'm terrified like i think life was already hard for a girl and I'm I'm much more apologetic to like to sort of women's right things now that I have two daughters and I'm like really starting to think about like oh like the shit they're gonna have to put up with like ah I get it you know what I mean like I still think some of that stuff can get a little overbearing and wacky but, but I mean, here's my thing like okay yes a woman shouldn't be blamed or like you shouldn't it should rape shouldn't be justified because you dressed scant skin like right. It's not a free pass, uh-huh. like, oh, I have big tits and a big ass, and I'm showing off. That means come grab me and just do whatever you want you're drunk. Come molest me. No, it doesn't. It's not justified. <laughs> but I also tell my kid, don't fuck it. Like, it's not justified, but it's still going to happen because yeah. there's going to be an asshole out there that does think that. It's like I, you shouldn't have to lock your door on your cars. Ideally, like, you should, there shouldn't be people that still shit at your car. But – there are assholes that will still shit out of your car. So you can make a statement and say, well, I'm not going to lock my car doors because fuck those people. They shouldn't be assholes and they shouldn't steal shit. That's great, but shit's going to get stolen out of your car, right? And so I would tell my daughter, like, you can do whatever you want, but just know the, like, the amount of unwanted attention you're going to get is going to be directly parallel to how you dress. It, should, um, I'm, it sucks that it is that way. Yeah, but it and, is that way. And especially until a certain age, they really don't understand what that attention is. No. And they young know girls it's aren't – yeah. like you probably saw like when a young girl gets hot like seventh, eighth grade, like she gets boobs and an ass and curves and now she's getting attention from seniors. And mm-hmm. like that's a setup for a ruined child. Right. That's a teenage pregnancy. That's a stripper. That's like 
that's a bad because like they're not ready for it. They're not ready for that attention. They don't know what it means. They base their like value out of yeah. It's it, they're not ready for it. And I think, man, that that whole social media like girls chatting on like that. Say that you say that like my my uh my little sister in law. What do you call it? My wife's little sister. Was that we call it sister in law? Yeah. Sister, we were at Christmas. She's eighteen, and like you said, she. Her the amount of messages she sent on Snapchat in like the fifteen minutes that I just observed her being on Snapchat was like forty or fifty multiple groups, different groups, and I'm like then I think about I saw her on her phone all, all the time like she's literally chatting like twenty thirty people all day <laughs> at the same time hanging out the family yeah and that's how she goes so, all day every day that that kind of attention and power and social credit is not I've I've thought of it like. If you're born like a trust fund kid, there's a chance you could turn out a well-rounded person, but probably not. Probably not. Yeah. And I think most uh, like notably gorgeous girls, they can turn out a real well-rounded person, but they're, they're probably not. I, That's a I, tough I was, thing to grow up. Yeah, with. I think you're 100 percent right, and I bet the the percentage of gorgeous girls that get fucked up is now higher because of yeah, social media. Absolutely. If you were yeah. a gorgeous girl in the 80s, you would get a little bit of like un like unjustified attention it would kind of fuck your radar up mm-hmm. kind of like mess your sensibilities up a little bit but now if you have if you have the right ass there will be four million people and you'll be oh, yeah. making millions of dollars for taking ass pics like mm-hmm. rogan has a whole bit about that but like it's true i like sometimes i look at it and like there's so many of them and uh and because <laughs> and then they have those like only fan like where you can get like the right. pay money to get like the the racier videos and on reddit i'll read like what people and what what a lot of people will say about these girls is like they're fucking crazy they're oh hot, i believe, I believe but it but they're yeah. like just even when cuz i've never paid for an only fans one cuz you can find that shit for free too i'm just paying for porn would it's like i don't know doesn't compute for me i would never do it but i would like you'll read on forums or read people talking about like oh i'm an only fan for this girl like i'm part of this like behind some paywall and so and so is crazy and i've seen that same pattern with like a ton of different girls right yeah you don't you don't have a kid yet oh boy no two girls i'm done no two kids is plenty man i was gonna ask what what video game restrictions you would have put um if, I was, if your girls got super into games, what would you? I would. Uh, I am a. I am a little careful. Like, I'm pretty lax. I was pretty lax until, because I thought my kids. I was underestimating how much my kids follow. When they, especially they're only th- uh, three and four. Okay. Right. So like sometimes shit will be on that's pretty adult, and I'm just like they're not gonna. They don't get it. Like yeah. it's not getting through. More gets through, than you think. And so I've become a little more sensitive because they'll say things and like they'll ask or they'll do things. And I'm like, oh, you're paying way more attention than I thought you were paying attention. So violence kind of like makes me nervous because my kids have had some like nightmares about like violent scenes they've seen. Okay. Or violent yeah. things they've seen. Like they understand like it's not good. And like they're just like their psyche is not ready to like grapple with the reality of like there's terrible things. Like people get blown up. People get tortured. Like they're not ready to like to what's the word stew on that idea. What about even if it's a healthy if even if they're playing Mario and you're restricting time? Yeah, uh, I, I do worry about uh, I worry about screen time affecting their ability to focus. Yeah, because look, I, 
like the running gag with ADD is like everybody has ADD and it's it's mm. a real thing but it's also for a lot of people not a real thing and I think part of that is it's well it's a real thing I think that um it, you we've, we're developing different like this, what it takes to function in society and what you have to navigate is different than it was for our parents it's even yeah. more different for my kids the next generation like we the internet came to be while we were teenagers we were there from like the birth and we had we had like half our lives sort of like old school. Yeah. Have you heard the term exennial? Yes. Yeah. Which is basically so the, the, that same uh, idea. Analog yeah. childhood, digital yes. adulthood. Yeah. And I think that even with only half, like we're, I think we're better off probably. And, but there's yeah. still a lot of people in our generation that are like, there's not functional. Mm-hmm. That I think might have been functional without all the technology and the screen time. So in general, to go back, like, yeah, I do worry about screen time because you can see really quickly at a young age, like, how captivated a screen can be, how sucked in. And then you can see their reaction when you take it away and you're like, yeah. this well, can't be good. I, I think of how addicted I was to Road Rash and Double Dragon yeah. and how I would respond to the pure heroin that is Fortnite. Like if, if you had Fortnite, yeah. If I, yeah, yeah. If, if, the, if these level of <laughs> games and playing online and <laughs> or by or by extension, social media in general. If yeah. I had Instagram in junior high, that mm-hmm. guy, I, I don't even like, like. I can tell you with great probability in like the ninety percentile range, that would be a recipe for disaster, most likely. Yeah, I know my like. It just you put like teenage junior high is so weird and awkward and like. You, now you're connected to everyone and everyone's talking shit on everyone yeah. you can't get like people made this point on podcasts you go home you don't get away from it it's like school stays with you all day the pull and i think for women it's even harder because look look sex has value in the marketplace of society it actually has a lot of value people say it's but i mean you can get money for sex you can make money for a sex yeah. appeal a lot of money and i think but it's not the only value that a, a female or a man. Sexy pill works for men. It's not quite the same. I guess bodybuilders can make a shit ton of money. But I don't think there's any dudes out there. Like, there's one girl. Uh, she's. I think she's. I read she has the, the like the. She's the biggest Insta thought. Whatever. It's like okay. Forty one million or something. Re- retarded like yeah. that. I don't think there's any dudes out there. No. That are like like making the same level for just being hot no. as, as a girl. And I think that can mess a girl up. I think I think social media and technology games is dangerous. Maybe it's because I have girls, but I think it's more dangerous for girls than it is for boys. For getting just completely like your wires crossed wrong, yeah. developing the wrong way. I think the, I think girls got to be a little bit more precarious about navigating that than a dude. But same the dude though. I mean, it's bad for both, really. Yeah, it's it's bad. Like and I played a lot of games. There's no internet. I spent a lot of game, like especially in junior high and high school, but I never felt like it made me unbalanced because I was I still had a social life. I was playing sports. I did music. I played drums. You know, you have a lot of free time as a kid. Like you can have like four hobbies that you spend a lot of time on because it's like school and that's it. Right. That's it. As adult, that's the way. There's never be pop. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd be interested to see like what's like the next generation ends. Like, uh, well, I already know suicide rate to an, a certain extent is going up, but my my guess is like our generation suicide rate probably s- jumps a tick, and the next generation I bet it's going to jump a tick more when it's all said and done. 
Yeah. And I think technology is a big part of that. Yeah. I, well, if, if you were planning your best, uh, I, I hate this phrase, your best, how much, if you're planning the perfect week. For my kid? No, uh, actually, for yourself, of uh, you're doing everything you want to do. Like you're you're working, you're working out, whatever. How much video game time would I? Yeah, would myself? you have enough where you enjoy yourself, but you don't feel like you played too much? Enough to. I like to consume other people's creativity. One, as it's, it's enjoyable, but I think the value is you consume creativity to power your own creativity. Yeah. So I would say if I was being perfect and I wasn't indulging in any escapism or being laziness. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, yeah, I would agree that like playing Fortnite is less healthy than an RPG. Probably. Yes. It's because you're just, you're not it's exercising like imagination. There's no, yeah. imagine, there's no yeah. narrative. Yeah. So I think the way I justify games is like, uh, either the podcast is creative the music making is creative. I do like doing visuals. So like if it, if it's, a uh, if it's making if it's feeding my creativity just enough to do that and no more would be like the perfect so if i had a guess cuz i spend a lot of my my day jobs in front of a screen too and that's a problem and i've had to like i've had to model my life around making up for the fact that i sit in a chair and look at a screen for 6 to 8 hours a day no matter what right like that's happening and it's going to keep happening for the foreseeable future and that's not good for you not for sitting eyes and so my morning, my morning workouts and my night work, it's all – a lot of my f- exercise and other things I do is all built around trying to balance out the fact that I'm going to be sitting. And I don't want my – I don't want to like degrade into a terrible lifestyle where I can't – you know what I mean? My body hurts and I'm like bent over and my posture is fucked yeah. up and I can't see because I only look at one distance. You know, So I'll literally go for walks and like focus at the mountain, then at the trees, then at cars and make sure that I'm getting eye time. And so I would, I would treat – if I was being perfect about games, I would treat games the same way. What's the right amount where I get all the benefits? Yeah. Uh, the, using my brain, the creativity, fueling my own creativity, giving me ideas for music, yeah. uh, following – like listening to the story and thinking about the concepts. And then when you start going to that realm of where now I'm just like avoiding work, smoking weed and playing video games to avoid work, then like I would stop there. And that, that that's a long way of saying, I don't know what the time would be. It might actually depend on the week. Yeah. On your, you know whatever what I mean? the rest of the context. Yeah. Your, the context yeah. of the week. But I actually, I talk about video games way more than I play them. I played a little bit because of Christmas break, but I would say, well, one, I didn't beat – I beat one – I beat two games the whole, whole year. Yeah. And I probably played – like put more than an initial like hour to try it out, like s- 10 games. So that's like a little less than one game a month that I'm trying out. And I beat one game every six months. So if I – you know, maybe I'm playing like – that would work out to be like an hour and a half every week and a half, two weeks, something like that. But I do – that doesn't count TV. I did watch – like I watched The Witcher. Right. I wasted time on TV. So that's a good question. I, the reality is I go through – I go – I've always been this way. I go through uh, uh, blitzes and like like feast and famine. And I don't right. know if this way with comedy. And I've instead of trying to like turn myself into a – like a machine that's like, I do this much of this every day. I try to ride the wave. So it's like, 
when I'm in music, like when the music's coming to me, like it'll obsess and I will skip jujitsu. I will skip working out. It's like obsesses me and I'll spend like three weeks and I'll crank uh-huh. out like 10 songs. And then I won't feel like making music. And then like I'll watch movies and that will like recharge and build up. And now if I wanted to be a pro musician, if I was still trying to do that, that's what I would not recommend. Like you got to be all in. That's a hobbyist. But now that's what it is. It's a hobby, right? I make my money elsewhere. Right. So now it's like with my free time – I'm going to enjoy the, the creativity that I have. So it might be like I got really obsessed with jiu-jitsu like last year. Like the first year I did it, it was five to six days a week, like three to two hours, two and a half hours by the time I – and like that's it. I did very little music. But then like I'm still doing that three to four days a week. But then I have the spurt with music. Then I'll have a spurt where a game will catch me. Then it will be a TV show. And it'll be like lately it's been drumming. I've been way back in yeah. like, I'm drumming every day. And I I think that if you're not trying to be pro, that's a healthy way to spend your time. Just kind of like you do your work, you do your maintenance, and then you sort of let your let just go with the flow. Yeah. For the for the extra. If you're trying to be a pro comic or a pro, that's not how it works. I would not recommend structuring your life. <laughs> I would not recommend if you're trying to make it as comedy like I'll just do comedy when the lightning strikes me. No, it's not yeah, going to happen. Yeah, grinding is necessary. It's but I do think that there there is when you're grinding, you're going to have times like like uh, drumming. I did like seven hard years. I want to be a drummer. I did five hard years of music production. Like there are times when you're grinding, and then there are times when you're grinding, but you also have the lightning. So it's yeah. like extract as much forward momentum yeah. and growth out of that as you can because you know. Like the wave's going to come back down and there's going to be another period of where I'm just doing my five sets a week and every one of them sucks and I hate this. Mm-hmm. But I just know that that's part of the process. Yeah. 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 Well said. I had, When I first got my Switch, I, there's a lot of waiting around, especially when you're doing open mics and not shows when you don't know when you're going to go on. Yeah, just killing time. Yeah. So I thought I was going to use it and then I started playing my Switch a lot and then I was like, God damn it, the most – constructive thing of going to these mics is the networking yeah so stop playing you pay attention and like paying attention talking to the people it's not just your set that's bringing you value yeah it's watching the other sets observing yeah seeing that makes sense that makes a lot of sense yeah i think that uh i mean i don't know how a comedy is obviously like a hardcore grind it takes a long time just to get a solid minute and like you said you're uh you're your standard of quality also increases. I don't know, man. Like, I think... I think you could argue that it might be good to, like, take a thought-out break every once in a while, like, to, like, let things settle. Because I have noticed sometimes when I get obsessive, like, drumming, I'll be obsessive-obsessive for, like, four months, right? Yeah. And then, But then you get so obsessive, you kind of fall into, like, a routine where the quality of the practice, the quality of the drilling... It's not as good because now you're kind of like doing the same thing over and over that like taking a break for a week and then coming back yeah, is good. But I don't know. I've heard other – like Rogan say you can't even – he can't take more than like a week break and then it's weird. Is that how you feel? Um, yeah. Um, let me take another quick look. Take a then... Cool. We're at a –
Welcome back. Oh. Is your bladder relieved? Oh, yeah. Feel much better? Well, we were saying... I pooped. I was trying to... I was actually thinking the whole time, remember what we were talking about so you can pick it up. But then fucking Instagram caught my attention, <laughs> and now, I've lost, now I lost it. Oh, I, I mean, you're asking for take, oh, breaks, and com- take, take breaks. breaks and comedy. Yeah, comedy. And I, I never take full-out breaks. I'm always going up at least once a week, but kind of like you were saying, I shift focus between heavy to YouTube ske- sketch creation or leaning... Heavy into my own act and doing stand-up, which is good. But I I was thinking, I had written on there, I made a list of notes before, and I wanted to complain about modern systems updating. Yes. It's ruined so many games. You could do a whole bit about that, because it always ends up happening, like, you get excited for a game... You have to update, or the worst is like you take a break from a game. Yeah. You come back to it, it's like, oh, I got to do a system update. Oh, I got to do the game update. Now I'm waiting 45 minutes and I only had 30 minutes to play the game in the first place. And it might, especially living on a boat, my marina has Wi Fi, but it's so slow. (laughs) It's so slow. So that's a big deal for you. Yeah, it's a lot of gaming sessions have been messed up. Or even at, uh, I have have one buddy, we. we meet to play Madden somewhat regularly, so we just every time we play the game, we it's one on one exhibition. Like it's the same game, but there's been many times it needs to update for a half hour before yeah. it'll let us start the game. And I don't even like the home menus. Like I don't want to open up my Xbox and see a Mountain Dew ad and have to click through a bunch of tiles to yeah. open my game. It's so many more cl- clicks to start the game than it used to be. I mean, there is a. I remember my uncle bitching about the PS1 and I was kind of mad because he was right. But I, I loved my PS1, but I got a 64 and he liked the 64 better. He'd come over and hang. And he's like, don't you like the 64? Because you just put the cartridge in, you hit power, yeah. boom, start menu, start. You're gaming. Yeah. PS1's got to go through two boat, like bootloading screens. It loaded a lot. And loading all the time. It a and long I'm like, time on the PS1. I love yeah. the PS1, but he's right. And that's almost, that's almost that's gotten worse now. Because then you got to boot, then you got to go to your menu. I mean, I get it. Modern consoles have more, uh, like, what's the word? Functionality. Yeah. Or vers- versatility. Yeah. Because you can watch your Netflix. But a lot of that stuff is junk. Like, uh, even just my PS... You brought it up. I thought, like, yeah, there's so much shit on my PS4 that I've... Like, the boxes on the native home menu, I'll, I've never touched, and I will never touch them. But you can't even uninstall them because they're, like, baked in, right? Yeah. The photos... Like, I'm not, it has a photo mode on my PS4. I'm not going to... I have a phone and a computer. I'm not going to store and browse my photos <laughs> no. on the fucking PS4. No. Why is it yeah. there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't need six devices attached to my TV that all can play Netflix. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to game and get. And, and I wish, I wish you could even put in Call of Duty and have a shortcut <laughs> where it it'll say like, "Do you want to open into your campaign?" And you just yeah. turn it on, and it just opens right into your campaign. Uh, or there's a really awesome touch of an indie game that just came out called Indivisible. It's just, uh, I'm giving them a shout out because I like indie studios. It's a Kickstarter game. It's awesome. But one of the touches they had is there is no, I like that even in games now you have these crazy menus. It gets complicated. This game, like it shows they made the game to be good. There's no menu. There's no nothing. 
when you start the game, like you can access a special menu if you need to change settings, but that's like you have to go out of your way. If you just let the game yeah. do its thing, as soon as it boots, it just loads to your – the title screen comes up and it loads you at your – the background of the title screen is wherever your most recent save is. Oh, that's you know great. what I mean? Yeah. So it's like you don't even like – you don't even hit start. Mm-hmm. They just goes indivisible and you're already there that's at great. your save. Yeah. Unless you tell it to otherwise do that, it does exactly what you're saying. It, boot, it automatically loads to the campaign where you're at. And it's the genius. I, it's, I like that game 20% more because of that one little thing. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah, I, I wish there – I wish maybe you could do – now, the, the, the counter of the devil's argument, if I'm Sony, it's like, well, yes, you don't need six devices that play Netflix – but this kid, his only device is the PS4. Sure. And that might be yeah. part of the reason why they chose. Um, but at least be able to, like, Cus- take it off. Yeah, take it, yeah, yeah, take it off. Or what if they had, like, a, like, the PS4 Lite? It does yeah. nothing but game. It doesn't have any of the extra stuff. It just plays games. That's all you want it for. It makes 50 bucks cheaper yeah. or 100 But That might be – I don't know. That might not be worth it. But, yeah, at least take it off and maybe, like, customize the PS4, like – I only want this is game mode only. Like I don't. Look, my TV has a game. Mm-hmm. What if you had game mode? It just tr- turns all that off, and all it does is load the game in the disc. Yeah. The, when I go through phases, I'm usually I'll get a new game, and then ninety percent of my gaming will be that. Yes. F- for the next few months, I, I don't do anything else with the system. Uh, it'd be nice if you could do it. Yeah, loading's the the updates. Man, you're right. Like, that's one of those things you just you get. What's the word? Like, oh, it's update happening. But it just it happens to me all the time because I don't play my PS4 very much. Yeah. I mainly play PC. But every once in a while, there'll be a PS4 exclusive, or someone will lend me a game so I can play it for free on PS4. And inevitably, if it's been over a couple months since I've touched the PS4, and I never think of it ahead of time, I'm never. It hasn't happened to me enough that I can prepare myself for the letdown. I get yeah. all excited, like put the kids to bed. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go play the new game, but I haven't touched my ps4 in four months and yeah. it's like now my kids are asleep i got my free 45 minutes i sit down and put the game in and then it then there's that moment where i'm like oh f- you must do a system update before you can play this title yeah. and then it's like then you have to do the game and it's like because the game i had the disc and since the game launched it's had like 10 patches that it won't let me play the game until i go through all those 10 patches because i'm playing the game a year and a half late or something like that yeah and uh, and you end up. I've had multiple times where my entire time I had set aside to play the game was taken because of updates. Same, yeah. It's yeah. A bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> As an OG gamer, it's very, very frustrating. Yeah, the NES. Yeah. You just instant. Yeah, or like five minutes of blowing into the cartridge. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But the the, the Genesis <laughs> and the sixty four, I never had issues with. The games were durable. Yeah, you just put it were, in. Yeah. Power button. Boom! Sega title screen. Press start. You're in. Yeah. What was your blow method for the NES? Uh, I would do it's uh, straight up and down, perpendicular or parallel to me, like three blows. I I would sometimes blow in the the actual NES. Yeah. But that was like desperate. That was only (laughs) if round one of regular blowing did it. It'd be like like three quick blows. Throw it in. If it didn't work, pull it out. I would do like a long up, up down. It's funny, I remember. Like really all yeah. up and down, throw it in. That didn't work. Then it was pick the NES up, blow in the actual case, and and sometimes it wouldn't work. 
the game would die. <laughs> I'd like to see that set like a pie eating contest of a bunch of people with a bunch of Nintendos and just passing out. <laughs> <laughs> Try who can get them all started first. Yeah. That yeah. I did shirt over the game. Oh, because that's like a, a little screen. That's or probably something. smarter because you might blow more dust into the game. I guess. Did you? <laughs> I don't know. Did you ever notice a higher success rate with your method? It felt like, and then I—I I know this didn't work, but I would rub that little indention on the the little thing sticking out. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, oh, funny I had that reminds me of a great story. I think I've told it once on the podcast, but you, of all people, appreciate this because of growing up uh, LDS. So I was. Like all in, like hardcore believer. I like would you know pray all the time. Nothing would ever happen, right? But that's my fault because I'm not praying good enough and God's timing. Whatever you never, it yeah, never dude, dawns well, on you. You shouldn't have masturbated. You shouldn't have masturbated. Whatever. So that I'm in that whole cycle, full on believer. And it wasn't uh, NES, but it was PS. You didn't play PS One, but disc scratching was like a a legitimate problem because <laughs> super legitimate problem. <sighs> And uh, I was playing Final Fantasy VII, which is like this. <laughs> you, you prayed to fix the disc scratching. Oh, I prayed, <laughs> dude! I prayed so hard. So I got to this point. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is like four discs, yeah. and it had like these really, uh, at the time, groundbreaking cutscenes where it was just like computer CGI, and you just watched it. Yeah. But if one of, if the scratch was on one of those cutscenes, like the game didn't know how to like reload and reset or skip past it, it would just freeze the game on the cutscene. And it happened a bunch, and I had like a game doctor gist, and I got through like <laughs> a, game a game doctor, like the, the spinner thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, or you could take it to like Games Crazy or Hollywood, and they would clean it for you. <laughs> and uh, I ended up on the third disc, which was three out of four. Oh, actually, Final Fantasy VII was only three. I think it was only three discs. It might have been the second to the last disc, or the last disc. I was pretty far into the game. I loved it, and I got to a cutscene that I could not get past. And yeah, I. I eventually broke down and I would like I remember like in tears like this is how important the game was to me and I and I also like in Mormonism they the sincerity of the prayer is supposed to like make it possibly right. work better yeah, 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 yeah. do you know what I mean so yeah. it's like I thought it was good that I was like weeping in tears like <laughs> I would say like for e- I would try to like bargain <laughs> with God like for every hour I play like I'll do this good yeah. thing I'll pay tithing or needless to say the game never worked God never <laughs> fixed my disc and I ended up buying a new copy of the game and beating it and that's that's one of the first first moments I was like ah this prayer thing it didn't really dawn on me until much later but later, uh, talking about it, I've been laughing about it. Like, that, I was at a, at a point, I was like praying to God to fix my Final Fantasy VII disc. And it didn't work. It didn't, didn't, didn't shake my faith at all that it didn't <laughs> work at the time. It didn't even bother me because, again, it was my fault. It was my fault it didn't work. But, yeah, I, uh, I never had that with, uh, with uh, NES. But I had that, that was just one example. But disc problems all the time. On, like, right. those, those discs were like... I became religious about how I put them back in the case and get because I don't know if like CD technology got better with the PS2 and the three and all the new like they don't discs don't seem as sensitive like they can get yeah. kind of thrown around scratched up they still work but on the PS1 it would ruin games yeah, really easily. I I actually did have a PS1 at the very end of its life cycle I forgot how I got it and I took it down to Mexico and got it hack to put one of those chips in it oh yeah and then, like, I, uh, then and you had like all the games yeah, yeah, yeah. And i bought like 
I bought like 50 games, and I think I only played like six of them. Does anything uh, stick out? Do you remember from playing on it? No. I bought a, I bought a bunch Blasphemy. of tra- I bought a bunch of trash <laughs> games and played them in for Mexico, like two yeah. minutes each. The PS One is an interesting console. It has like six hundred and eighty US games, like a lot of games. Yeah, uh, the games were cheaper to make then, and uh, it was like this weird middle ground where there's a lot of trash, but there's also a lot of amazing games. Yeah, I, and I get I guess in Mexico you might have had like and some. I think the PS Two came out shortly after or something, and I got it. Early on, like I upgraded systems like a month or two after I did that. Okay, so yeah, it was super late. The PS2, I want to say, launched in 2002, 2001. Yeah. It was uh, hard to get at launch because it had a DVD player, and that was like the big thing. It was a yeah. game and DVD player. I knew people who bought it just because, like, well, we don't even game, but it, yeah, it, was, a, it was an affordable DVD player. It was an affordable player, DVD yeah. player, and yeah. it's a game on top. If yeah. we want to get games for it, we can. Yeah. That's too bad because the PS1, I mean, like, is is that your That's console? my thing, man. That's yeah. like uh it's like you know, we both smoke like I'll never get back to smoking weed like it was the first like <laughs> year I smoked weed. Yeah. Like the, uh, the it just it was a mate like uh, something about being young and everything was this crazy adventure and it was pure fun. Like that will never happen again. And I've also had to accept like with video games, like the magic of the PS1 for me will never happen again. Just like the magic of certain bands you know what I mean? A band's never going to affect you like it did when you were 14. And right. you find that band that just yeah. – it's just that, that, that age is over. I think the whole thing of this yeah. and nostalgia is like – that's the whole thing of uh, nostalgia is this, this weak attempt to get back to the magic of that age. Try to like rekindle something about like – yeah, a game when you're 14 that has the story that hits you or the book or the movie – or the band that you worship and everything, and you read all their lyrics and you, you worship the front man or you worship the, like, just, that doesn't happen anymore. And I think that's what we're trying to get at. Sing Jenna Jameson for the first time. <laughs> Dude, she was some next level, yeah. I remember, I, yeah, she was, I didn't have like a ton of access to porn, obviously, but I remember kids talking about Jenna Jameson and then I remember seeing a picture. I, actually, that's funny. You know, you brought it up. I remember where I was, and I remember she was in a pink bikini on the beach, and I'm like, "That's Jenna Jameson." And oh, that's why. Like, I see, I see what the hype's all about. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you watch wrestling when you were a kid? WWE, WWF, yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Those. those she those was part played. of that, wasn't she? Uh, no, I don't. But they had Sable. That was the one. She was their uh, the, the, the blonde bimbo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, WCW versus NWO Revenge. The game. The game. It's a 64 game. 64 yes, game. Yes. I did play that. That was a great that wrestling was a game. game. I remember, actually, now that you brought it up, I remember arguing with a kid that wrestling was fake while playing that game. <laughs> yeah. And he thought it was real, and I knew I thought it was fake, and we, we, went, we were getting heated. But the it, game was fun, nonetheless. It, it was the first gameplay that I played that played like, or it was the first wrestling game I remember playing that played like a sports game where, yeah, the gameplay was good, like the yeah. punching and going in for grabs and stuff is good for competitive playing. I mean, I wrote up a big long, uh, uh, I wrote up a thing on IGN, I, I to how to do different variations of one of the guys. 
moves. Moves. You, you wrote like a FAQ, yeah. or like moves listing uh-huh. on their on their forum board. Yeah, a, <laughs> you went all out. I was like super. Like I took my time. Yeah, and then like tried to make it good. I think that was the first thing I ever wrote on the internet. But uh, that that game was. That makes yeah. me remember game facts. Like I, I remember I played a lot of RPGs, and I would read essentially the same thing. Like some of their user made like walkthroughs, yeah. tutorials, and then you go on GameFacts.com, and they'd be like, "This one has four thousand reviews, all five star." Yeah. And then, and, and yeah, the people would put in. I mean, you know, now that I'm a little bit older, and I understand what it would take to actually like write something like that for for some of those games. Probably people put in hundreds and hundreds of hours to create those. Oh, yeah. I mean, how long did it take you to write one move list for like one dude <laughs> oh, on a wrestling yeah. game? Hours for sure. Yeah, hours for sure. I I got a good question. What what is the thing you looked up how to do in a game on the internet that you regret most regret? Does that make sense? Like looking yeah, up a puzzle. Dark Souls. Ansel? Dark Souls. Yeah. Uh, Ornstein and Smoff. That's like this duo. Dark Souls known for being really, really di- like difficult. Yeah. And kind of like, what's the word? Masochistic. Like, yeah. Indulging in that, like, I hate this, but I love it, but I hate it, but it feels really good when I finally, because I went through so much pain to get here. And they, they ride that balance. And, uh, like, if you're in the darks, Dark Souls is almost like being a Dark Souls fan, right now they call it Soulsborn because uh, there's a game in that same, uh, similar game called Bloodborne from the same credit. It's like, it's like its own little cult. Even online, it's like Souls fans. Or like tool fans. Okay. Like like yeah. they get like dark, most people who are Souls fans will say Dark Souls is the greatest game ever made. And if you tell them anything otherwise, they'll get offended and super pissed, and they'll look at you like you're like less than intelligent. Like mm-hmm. you just don't get it because Dark Souls is the. And I'm a little like that, but not full on. So anyway, the, I, that's why I didn't beat that boss. So part of the the game is beating the game with no help. The game purposely is obtuse. Like they design it in a way where there's no exposition, where you watch all the narrative and the lore and understanding what's going on is done by paying attention to the environment and, and inferring things and cool. reading descriptions and putting it together. There's no tutorial on how to play the game. The game has a really robust like stat system. There's like 20 different stats you play with. And uh, there's all these weird rules. And the only way to find them out is by just trial and error. And uh, they even they even bake in dying and coming back to life into the lore of the game. Like all the mechanics yeah. are baked into the world. So much thought has been put into the game. They do all this stuff, but then they don't hold your hand. Like you can miss all of it. You can beat the whole game and miss like all the intelligence that was put mm-hmm. into the game. So it has this. That's basically preface. It has this cult following. Um, if you're part of the cool kids club, you beat all the bosses without summoning. Or looking up help. So each boss, you have the ability you can you can summon someone else who's a player, and they can come into your world, and they may have already beaten the boss a hundred times, and like they'll show you, like you'll see because you see their ghost, right? And then like so, basically for Ornstein and Smoff, I summoned people and went online because I didn't have what it takes, and it's like that one <laughs> out of all of the boss, like the rest of them I did, yeah. But it's like the one that I didn't. I didn't have what it takes. It broke me. I was like, fuck <laughs> this. I've tried it like 50, fuck it. And went online and then I and then I even started summoning people and it still took me like 10 to 20 more tries even summoning help. Which just rubbed 
rubbed like the ego even worse. It's like I can't yeah. even beat it summoning someone. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, and if a true Dark Souls person would like, I wouldn't be part of the Cool Kids Club. They would be like, yeah, you're in the Dark Souls, but you're not. You're not our tier because, like, you to actually be like God tier Dark Souls is no internet, no summoning, and uh, you so beat the everybody. summoning summons people who are live online. They're real players, like real that. human players. So, like, I could be stuck at a boss, yeah. and you can you like basically they have this mechanic as a soapstone mechanic. Yeah. You have a soapstone which you write on the ground like a symbol, yeah. and then that symbol will appear to thousands of other people. And then one of them, someone goes up and they accept it, and that'll teleport them from their world to your world, and they can stay for basically just to help you with the boss or with other. And they can come in. You can summon up to two people, so you can get two helpers. So for that boss, I would summon both people, and there's an AI person that the game gives you. So I had yeah. three helpers and me, and I still couldn't beat them. <laughs> so like that's a big. And I went online and like read. Like tactics, strategy, yeah. strategy yeah. and all that stuff. And I still had a really hard time. And if I would have not done that, I could say, well, I went through all of Dark Souls 1 and beat everyone legit. But I haven't. There's that one boss. So when I hang out with like core, right. like, I'm, not, I'm not the cool kid. But that's a cool game mechanic though. That, Very cool. That'd be fun to just show up in other people's games and save the day. Or ruin their day. So Dark Souls, because it has that like draw for people who like the what's that? How do you say that word? Masochistic. Masochistic. Yeah. Yeah. People who have that masochistic tendency, they also like enjoy to give it. So, for example, they you can summon someone that, uh, and they don't necessarily have to help you with the boss. The game also has a lot of exploration. Like, uh, did you ever play Metroid? Yeah, Metroidvania is where you like explore things, you get abilities, you come back. There's Similar mechanic where each area, there's tons of secrets, a ton of secrets in that game, and it's very confusing, and you have to memorize the map. So sometimes people will lead you through the area because another mechanic the game has, you should just play this game. I'm going to sell you on Dark Souls because here's, here's my missionary yeah. work. It has this other mechanic with the bonfire system. So when you die, you lose all your souls, which is basically your currency to upgrade, level up, make your weapons better, buy gear. And if you, you and then you get resurrected at a bonfire. The most a bonfire is essentially a glorified save point. Uh-huh. And and then at that and you re- come back to your save point and you lost everything. But if you can make it back to where you died and touch your corpse without dying again, you get all of it back. Cool. And so and then they make in between bonfires. They're really good at spacing out like the difficulty. So, like, to get from bonfire A to bonfire B could be really hard, and you might die a hundred times figuring out all the enemies right. and the secrets to get there. But once you get to bonfire A and B, now you now if you die, like, you have a close point to go to. You're familiar with the level. You're not you're not as that much risk for losing all your experience. Souls, and you can only use your souls to level up at a bonfire. So I might be like going out from a bonfire. And I'm like, I've gained 20,000 souls and I'm like way deep into the next area, but I don't know where the next bonfire is. So I have a choice of like, I can either risk it and go forward and end up dying. And the chance of me coming all the way back without dying again is low because it was hard to get to this point. Or I can backtrack all the way back to the bonfire I started at. But when you rest at the bonfire, all the enemies respawn. So that means you got to fight them all again on your way back to – so it puts you in this like – you're in this constant conundrum. Well, anyway, I had a guy – I summoned a guy because I I didn't know where to go and 
he helped me find a couple secrets. There's like hidden walls. So, but the the ghost, if you summon in, you can't activate hidden walls. So what what they'll do is they'll just sit and bang on a wall. Tell because there's no there's no chat. There's no typing chat. There's no voice chat. Uh-huh. All you have are like some emojis. But it actually makes it more fun because you can't like full on communicate. So like they they'll like go over to a wall and they'll like shake or like roll. Roll around like, oh, they're trying to say that's a hidden wall. You hit the wall. The wall dissolves. It's like a treasure chest. So he does this like three or four times and he's leading me through an area where there's all these like secrets and he's showing me where to go. I'm like, sweet. This is actually Dark Souls 3, I think. I wasn't – Dark Souls 1 is the only one that I tried to like do OG. The rest of them, as I got older and have time, like I'll take the help. So Mm -hmm. you should – if you want to be a true Dark Souls, you would never summon someone to like – but the option's there if you want. But anyway, he basically got me. He also there's there's a sometimes like secret ledges where it looks like it's a cliff, but if you can't like the way you've moved the camera, like oh if I drop down, there's actually like a hidden cave there or something. Right. And uh, and then sometimes people will write messages, and they can like say like treasure chest below, and you'll see people's messages. Well, I saw a message on the ground like an inscription that said treasure chest below, and the the guy who had helped me. <laughs> he had like go through the whole thing he showed me all the secrets got me all these souls I had all these and he like points and so I'm like sweet there's a treasure chest down there and I just fall to my death and I lose everything and it was right before the next bomb now I went back and played it again he took me all the way to like where the checkpoint was and then told me to jump off a cliff I gained his trust and I did it and I just jump off the cliff I lose all the souls and it, but he still helped me right because he the, it's just like that's, things. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's how the community of the game is. Like they'll help you, but they'll also fuck with you. And there's also a mechanic where you can invade somebody. So you can do uh yeah. so you can do a white soapstone, which is like, hey, I need help, come into my world and help me, and you can accept it. You can also do an, an invade where you, you write a red soapstone and it will pick a random player on the server and you invade them and your job is to kill them, to find them and kill them. They're already fighting enemies yeah. and like trying to figure the game out. But there's like certain uh, covenants, like basically they reward you for both. If you help someone, if you help them beat bosses, you get like certain tokens and there's a one certain vendor that will take those tokens. You can get certain gear that you can only get by helping people. Then there's also like gear sets that you can only get by invading people. So also what will happen is you're like 20,000 souls. I don't know where the next bonfire is. I have no more healing potions. Like do I go all the way back and reset or do I try? I think there's a bonfire and then there will be a little message. Tim Spencer 6969XXX has invaded. Fuck! Because their job is to find you and kill you. That can happen anytime. That can happen at any time. Oh, that's great. So that's always there. And then then you're like, shit. And then you're like, I got to hide. But you can hide from them. Like They don't know where you're at. It'll spawn them sort of in the area you're at. But they have to come find you. So then there's been times where like I've literally like Holocaust survived. Like the Nazis, like I have nothing left. It's like, but if, if you hide from him long enough, his session will time out and it will take him back. And where I've, I've, I've like didn't want to lose my souls, wasn't confident enough. And the game takes this whole different turn where now it's like a stealth game. And I'm like trying to like, okay, because you can see him in the distance. Like I'm going to hide here. I know he's going to check over here. This is a common area. And where I've hit – it's like – it's an amazing game. The, the problem is, is now it's older so maybe the community won't be as – like robust. Oh, right. Like if there's no one online playing, there's been times like if I'm playing at a weird time, I want to summon someone and it'll just sit there forever because mm-hmm. there's just like nobody there. And it also has a level matching system. So 
there might be a hundred people playing, but if they're all fifty levels above you, it won't let them go into your game. Right. So that would be the downside if you play it now. But it is Dark Souls Remastered is on Switch. Really? Yes. It's the original game remastered for Switch. I would recommend it. Like if if that if any of that intrigues you yeah. a little bit, I think it's worth getting on Switch. Yeah. That that that's That'll be the next game I buy. And you can do the loading and going into people's games yeah, and stuff, Yeah, all the too. multiplayer stuff. And <clears throat> maybe because it's semi-recent on Switch. Like, the community's... Like, I know a kid I train with who's bought Dark Souls on PS3, PS4, PC, and he bought it again for Switch. He loves it. And he plays yeah. it on Switch all the time. So, there's definitely people playing it. Yeah, you should get Dark Souls. And now, if you ever like hang out with like in the comedy crew, like run across someone who's another Dark Souls fan, yeah. And if you played, you two will become friends immediately, because it's such like a the game is so hard, it makes nothing's forgettable. Like someone can say, "Man, I had a really hard time on that third legend, Blight Town." Yeah, I'll be like, "I know exactly what you're talking about," because I've also memorized the whole game because it's so hard. You become intimate, like with the entire game. I've yeah, I've had a little bit of that experience uh, talking with people about Cuphead. About I've been, what? Cuphead. Yes, I, Cuphead is like I haven't beat it, but, but yeah, uh, I haven't it's beat it. Retardedly either. hard. Yeah, it's super hard. And then when you talk with people about it, there's like a yeah, like a going to war brotherhood. Yeah, um, you you feel like a shared sense of trauma. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Cuphead. How far have you gotten Cuphead? I haven't gotten far at all. Not far at all. The second or third island. That's like, way farther than me. Definitely yeah. past the first island. I, I think just on the third one. I don't know how many islands there are. I backed but. that game. It was a, like a Kickstarter Indiegogo. Oh, did you? Yeah. Cool. Way back in the day. I, I got it on PC first. Then I bought it again on Switch. Because the Switch, I on the Switch, I basically, anything that's like retro... You know, like old yeah. school pixel graphics. If, even if it's on PC or PS4, I just get it for the Switch. Right. And if it, then if it's like a, you know, if Breath of the Wild was on PC, then I would get it on PC. But mm-hmm. I don't really get like 3D games. But all the 2D games, like Cuphead's one of them. Like I already own it, but it's better on the Switch. Yeah. There's an awesome. I don't know if you like uh, Contra type like shooter games, side scroller shooters. There's one yeah. that's satire. It's called Valferis, and it's all like. Uh, do you ever watch – what's that TV show on Adult Swim? It's the metal band Deathlock. And it's all like metal – Metal Metalocalypse. Metalocalypse or whatever. It's yeah. kind of that humor. It's all like satire on how retarded and epic and awesome metal yeah. is and just exaggerated everything is. So you play like this sci-fi uh, – what's what you call it? Like warlord, Viking warlord that goes back to his planet, which is a metal – like alien race that's all based – their culture. Everything's based around metal and the planet's been taken over by aliens. And then yeah. every time you get a power up, like you play your guitar and you headbang and everything is like based on metal. It's just like a good side-scroller like sit yeah. down casual. You can beat it in like four hours. But it's – there's like a bunch of humor behind and making fun if you think if you think death or uh, metal Ocalypse is funny then you'll think this is funny yeah i, I imagine good metal and yeah the was that metal in the last doom game or the music yeah it's like uh mick gordon did the soundtrack one of my favorite soundtracks it's like glitch 
industrial with place like rock and metal. That yeah, soundtrack is all over the yeah. place. Yeah, it really worked. And the new game, Doom though. game overall. Yeah, before yeah. that game, juk, 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 and then you like chainsaw someone, yeah. get all the ammo. I liked the mechanic in that game because you got rewarded when you were going to die. The you didn't want to hunker and hide. You right. actually became more aggressive because then you get the health pickups by doing the melee kills. And so it made this weird mechanic where like when you when you were about to die, you had to put the pedal even harder. Right. You had to hit the and it, and then the coupled with that soundtrack, yeah, my blood like my heart would be pumping playing that uh-huh. game. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was really well done. Did you play it on Switch? No, I my buddy let me borrow his Xbox for a week or two, and I. I I almost beat it enough to where when it came out on Switch, I didn't feel the need to buy it. I didn't it. feel like getting it. Yeah. yeah. There's a, if you want a shooter game on Switch, the other, same company, ID, same engine, ID Tech 5, is a Wolfenstein. Oh, Wolfenstein right. has been ported to Switch. I don't know if the Switch port is amazing, but I played it on PC. It's a decent, kind of like if you want to, it's only single player, it's a campaign. So if you want to do like a Call of Duty type Nazi campaign shooter, excuse me, that's good. Uh, I don't. Other than that, I only play like Switch, like indie games. No, you're not the Nintendo. No, IPs. I don't own Mario Kart. I don't own Smash. I don't own. It's only like random indie games that I have on Switch. Interesting. I like. I like. I'm a sucker for. Uh, like I said, PS One. Uh, I like 2D games and I like pixel art. Like I don't yeah. get sick of it. Like so. Oh, I can just. You can feed me more Metroidvanias. Like that, you could give me that same type of game a hundred times over. I don't think I'd get sick of it. It's just like that. I like it a lot, and there's a there's a million of them on Switch. Right. So I just get them all. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I play. I get them all. I play like ten percent of them, but I just like knowing I have the other the other ninety percent should the opportunity arise. Yeah. I I, I want to get smashed. Maybe. I've, people have talked a lot of uh, pos- they said a lot of positive things about Mario Kart. On the Switch. Yeah. So I've thought about that with my kids. Like, that might be a fun one. Because it has, like, a, a auto mode. Like, where yeah. it kind of helps yeah. steers yeah. for you. It's really good for kids. I think that'd be good for yeah. my kids. And uh, Mario Party. I play Mario Party a lot with my niece and nephew. Do you play, like, locally? Like, all your Switches uh-huh. together? Yeah. That would be fun. I have, I have some fond memories of Mario Parties at, like, family get-togethers when we had a Mario Party game in... The 64. <coughs> you can't play Mario Party by yourself. No, yeah. but it, it's it's great. I think it speaks to good design that my four-year-old, or no, not four, like six or seven-year-old nephew, me, and my 65-year-old mom. Could all get together. Can all yeah, get yeah. play. And, great and design. Genuinely have fun. Yeah. Have you uh, seen previews for a game coming out on PS4 called Dreams? No. It's uh, the same people that did Little Big Planet. I don't know if you ever got into Little Big Planet. I, I, I know the game well. I only played it a couple times. Okay. But yeah. I didn't play it that much either. But what I do know about it is the content creation system had a really robust community and they had thousands of levels of uh-huh. really high level quality. Yeah. Well, they But that was all like kind of built in. The, this new game they're making called Dreams is like a video game creator. Like a, you know, like a like an assisted video game creator where you're a 16 year old kid or a seven year old kid can get on and make a video game. 
uh-huh. because the game is all designed around helping you make a video game. And the beta, the beta already has like thousands of games that people have made, and they're surprisingly good. And I think that's like an element, another like if you can give someone who doesn't have any game dev experience a game about making games, and then you know, sixty hours later they have like their first game finished and it's workable. I I think I think that could be. I don't know. It could be. I don't know if it's going to be this game. What I'm trying to say is like the next Fortnite, right? Because whenever someone nails down that user generated, where yeah. now you have endless user generated content that's fun to play and everyone wants to play it, that becomes like a Facebook or a Google. It becomes its own. And I think this game might do it. I don't know. I might be hyping it, but it but, could be a flop or it could become like the new. Is it everyone's well, on it? What was that one yeah, thing first? I think. Ryan's chest or Taylor's game or some sort of sandbox where people make games. Um, Ryan's chest? That does not <laughs> ring a bell. Fred's game or it has, it has some sort of plain name like that. Or like it, was, it was a j- game about j- making j- games. Yeah, some sort of just... Do you remember what console? Uh, it's a PC thing. Where So... Hmm. PC. I know there's Game Maker. Something like that. It's not an original idea. There have been game no, maker yeah, games before. It, it'll come to me later in the day. I'll text you. But these, it seems like the previews from this game is like they've been able to design it in a way where everybody can, like with with a little bar- with a low barrier to entry, someone can create what's in their mind and make a game out of it. And if they really pull it off, I think that could be like Mario Maker Two. I don't know if you've been playing that on Switch, but a bunch of dudes in that podcast I did like four out of. Six of them said Mario Maker 2 is their game of the year. Oh, wow. Because you have access to th- yeah. thousands of these. And they all say the same thing. Like the creativity that you get, you can get, a, you can find levels that are so creative that you would, they would never be in an actual Mario game. It's because someone's like looking at the, the tools and be like, well, what if I, and they're thinking outside the box. Yeah. And they create something so random or different. And they said it's a blast. And th- there's a great rating system, apparently, and finding levels to play. Good levels to play is really easy, and there's and it's it's like people can make their own Mario levels. I think if that's you know cool. that for games in general, that's like a that might be the next Fortnite type thing. Anyway, I'm hyping it. It might this game Dreams is coming out, and they had the the studio has the the experience kind of doing it with Little Big Planet, and I know it was a critical success and it was praised for its creation tools, and uh, that might be it. So uh, it's coming out like next month or two months on PS4. Sweet. Could be. Yeah. The hive mind is powerful. Yes. The hive mind yeah. is powerful. If you can tap into that in a way and then make money off it, like imagine if you had like everyone's on it, everyone's playing it, and now you're doing Netflix, like to have access to th- all of these millions of user generated right. games. It's two bucks a month. Yeah. Or something on top of buying the game. Like, it will happen. I think it may not be this, I, it may not be this particular iteration. But the idea of a user-generated video game market yeah. like where someone creates – like you're not paying for a game. You're paying for access to all of the user-generated games. I think that will 
Someone's going to do it. Right. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. It feels like almost making like a square space for game engines. For for game engines, yeah. Yeah. If you have a vision, you can put it together. Yeah. And it looks like – yeah, there's – the the versatility from this – trailer that i saw for the game is you have like there's 2d games to fall on like 3d racing games and all built uh, apparently with this game engine on the ps4 using a controller cool like, think about it, like how yeah. limited that it would have to be and you'd yeah. have to you'd have to design it in a way where it's actually fun and intuitive to build the game i i don't know they might have pulled it off like i spent uh, i've been playing this game called planet coaster you uh design theme parks yeah and then you can like possess one of the people and actually go through your own theme park and ride the rides and i spent probably like the first night i played it i started at like it was a friday night i had time i started at like seven thirty. i put on a couple podcasts and like four thirty in the morning i like looked at my clock like oh i've been gaming till four thirty, and all i did was work on building paths like paths just trying to like lay out a theme park like and, and i think that when you get a million people getting into that, I I I think you get some of the best video games. What am I trying to say? The lower the barrier to entry is for creativity, the better content you're going to get. Yeah. You have to sift through a bunch of shit, but as long as there's good like uh, filtering tools, mm-hmm. like Reddit voting systems, you're going to get better content than you'd ever get. Probably than the best, the biggest budgets in the world. I guess bite-sized content. You're not going to get like a feature film. Right. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking about that real time and really high. What's the, there was a game besides Mario Maker 2. Uh, damn it. What was it called? Uh, Spore? Was it Spore? I remember Spore. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Spore. I remember that. Huge hype with Spore before huge it came hype. out. The same idea, like you down. start your own civilization from yeah. bacteria yeah. and then kind of create, you can create anything, allegedly you could create. <laughs> and then everyone sort of... just made dicks. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Gorgeous walking dicks, some with two legs, some with eight. Did you ever follow the No Man's Sky hype in uh, that whole thing? I loosely followed the drama. Yeah. yeah, and it, and it's supposed to be actually finally good now. It's apparently like everything they had sort of initially promised has eventually been built. But yeah, it's two years after launch, I think. Yeah, that was another one of those huge expectations. What is? Yeah, that's a good question. What game have you been most disappointed in? Like you were stoked, you played, and you were like, "This fucking sucks." Oh, that's a good question. Uh, the f- the first one that comes to mind, uh, ODST. Halo ODST. Yeah. It was just how short it was. It, the gameplay was fine, but... Did you play Reach before? Or did Reach come before or after ODST? I don't remember. I think it was... I think ODST Halo, was Halo first. Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo Reach? Then or, ODST? Halo 3, or, I, colon ODST? Because like, Halo Reach is a really short campaign, too. But I, I don't remember people complaining about Reach being short, so maybe ODST was the first one. Yeah, I think it was. People were kind of taken by surprise. It was. I think it. It. I think it was. I think it had Halo threes, maybe twos, but it had one of their multiplayer with all of the DLC. 
So if you hadn't bought any of the oh, you felt cheated, kind of. Yeah, if you'd never bought, you bought that, everything, yeah, if you'd never two. bought that DLC, it was probably worth it. It's probably worth it. Yeah, but the 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 campaign was. So very you spent short. all the money to get mainly DLC. You already had spent money on on Halo Two or Halo Three, yeah. whichever one, and you got like a four hour campaign for the yeah. for the price. Right. Yeah. 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 For for sixty, and I I think four hours would be generous. And I think it might have been one of the first ones where you weren't Master Chief. You weren't that. You were an ODST yeah. drop. So I was like, the lore was they were like not as powerful as the Spartans, but they were like the elite drop ship troopers right. yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't play that one. I, I remember people, mine would probably be, uh, it's going to make me sound nerdy, Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts 3, the new one. Because 1 and 2 were on PS2. I liked them. They're these weird mix between JRPG like Square Enix characters and Disney and an yeah. incoherent really weird Japanese like they have a, they're shitty games in a way but they're I don't know they caught me 1 and 2 and then it was like 14 or 15 years did, did you love 1 and 2 yeah I liked them I yeah. say I like definitely liked them the, some people are Kingdom Hearts super fanatics right That's yeah one definitely not games. one of those yeah. like I thought the story in the world is kind of like weird how they mix them together but really I just liked like having Final Fantasy characters in an action setting and right. I, I like the gameplay mainly I thought it was like a fun action RPG the story like got so incoherently weird that no one I was stopped paying attention but the third one came out after like 13 or 14 years I bought it launch day like premium edition just I'm like oh this game has been it's been like 15 years I think I mean it was 13 to 13 between 13 and 15 years forever and it was just a steaming pile of garbage like and yeah. I played like I spent eighty dollars on launch day to get the collector's edition. Played it for like an hour and a half and gave it away for, for free to someone who wanted. It. I was like, and it just I don't buy launch games at launch anymore. Even even on PC, the other problem you can run into on PC is compatibility policy. issues. Yeah. You get it day one, you download it, and then it crashes the first time you launch it. Then you now you're on fucking Reddit and Tom's yeah. Hardware. Wow. Okay, so well, yours. This guy fixed it, but his crashed at a different time. Mine crashes before the logo, so I have yeah. somewhat of a different problem. I can't find anybody that's talking about theirs crashing before the logo. Now I'm on the Steam forums. Nothing can happen. Now I gotta wait six days for a patch. Like that's also fucking bullshit. Like it just you you buy something launch, you pre-order it on PC, yeah, and then you download it. And it doesn't work. Like nothing can turn you off to a game faster than that and you want to get angry like I get why people get online and they bitch about they bitch at the developer because I get it like you bought it day one and yeah. it like, doesn't work but PC is like there's just too many I don't know so I just wait yeah. just wait till a game's been out three or four months that that's smart. I yeah that seems like more of a problem with PC yeah. than but console I have, well that's the thing Kingdom Hearts I had crashes right. and bugs and freezes like it doesn't happen near as much as PC, but there have been terrible games at launch for consoles. Like a recent one was Anthem. Do you, you ever follow the the, the hype uh. and downfall of Anthem? It was uh, EA and Bioware's collaboration project that was like the Destiny killer. Okay, it's, it's like a Destiny type, yeah, like endless end game content type of thing. But instead of being first person, it was third person, and everyone had like Iron Man suits. I don't know if you ever saw gameplay. You can like fly, basically like Iron Man, right. unofficially the video game. 
Yeah, and there's like I, different I think suits. I've seen video of it. Yeah. yeah, there's like the fast class, the bulky class, the middle ground class, like the mage class, and they all have different suits. And um, on launch, even the PS4 and the uh, Xbox One versions had server problems, crashing, couldn't connect to servers, bugs. Uh, game-breaking bugs where, like, you couldn't progress, right? Because you're supposed to, like, in the campaign, this guy's supposed to give you a certain item to open this door. And for whatever reason, he gives you the item, but it's not in your inventory. It gets, like... And now you can't progress in the game. Like, yeah. Just the game was riddled with uh, problems like that for for months. And it ultimately killed the game. So it can, it can happen on consoles, but you're right. It's, like, way less probable. Generally, a console game is going to work for the most part day one. Yeah, it, it might be disappointing, but it'll work. But it'll, but it'll yeah. work. And yeah, the PCs, like I bought, uh, like I said, the one I was saying, Planet Coaster, the first time, now it's an old game, so I thought I was safe. But even in the old game, you're not always safe. I bought it, it was on sale for like eight bucks. The first time I loaded it, it froze. Or like it loaded to black, like if the whole screen would go black, then it would shut and go back to my desktop. I get on I get on like forums and I found people who had similar problems saying that it would freeze on load, but it wasn't the same problem. So I wasted time like doing their solutions or looking at their solutions, and I realized that no one had my solution. So I had to sit and think about it. Like, okay, well it's it's going up to the screen, and and then if I let it sit and not close it, I'd eventually hear the music going. Like it would get through the logo. I'm like, oh, it's running, but for some reason it doesn't like my screen. And it ended up having like it was trying to force full screen on like a resol- like a weird resolution that right. uh, that my screen didn't support, so it would crash go to desktop. But I, I eventually went to like the the dot ini file, like where the, all your settings are at. I googled like where where does it store it. I found it. I saw like the default setting was like some weird resolution. I'm like why? And then I just changed it and it worked. But like you don't have to do that on consoles ever. Right. So that is one sucky thing about PC gaming. The other thing is you have thousands of games that will be on sale for like a dollar or five bucks. Anyway, well, that's, it's been a super long time. Let's end. Uh, what do you think is your GOAT game? Like the, I know you said Braid was the most emotionally yeah. resident. But what would you say like the best, just overall best game you've played, worst game you've played? And um, yeah, let's just end there. I I I think the best uh, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, yeah, yeah, yeah. just so charming. The how many hours did you put in it? Um, I think forty. It's a pretty solid amount. Yeah, Yeah. and you beat it. And how much of the side extra stuff did you do? Uh, I just about everything. I didn't buy any of the DLC, but I played it a lot. having the the physics engine or whatever is so good in that game uh, yeah of if you see a rock and want to roll it down a hill it'll go down the hill pretty much in the way that you, you if expect you think, it to if you think you can do it you can generally do it yeah yeah and, and so just stone sessions of seeing like a group of vocal goblins and attacking them in a fun Different way ways. yeah yeah, yeah just a lot of time spent not doing what you're Any supposed quests. to do? Yeah, yeah, just... yeah, yeah. That's what a lot of people said about that game, and maybe that's what I missed. I uh, the the initial start was slow, like, like just getting the hang glider and yeah, getting off time, and yeah. getting off the cliff. Yeah. Kind of the, it, it took like way long for me to get there, and I was 
I, I did feel like a little bit of that magic, a couple of hobgoblin camps where it was like, I wonder if I like threw this in the pot and would it do that? And like, they did it. I don't forgot what it was, but it reacted. Oh, I spent a bunch of time like cooking because nothing explained about cooking. I was trying to make like something to keep me warm because I need yeah. to go into the, the winter lands. And like, yeah. I wasted like hours doing it wrong. And that kind of turned me off once I figured I'm like, oh, that time all I had to do, I forgot what it was. I was cooking something wrong or not eating it or, or following that. I can't remember what it was. But so many people have said the same thing about that game, that it's one of the most magical, best best experiences they've ever played. I want to I want to get there. Yeah, it's great. And then um, Skyrim's up there too. Uh but then, what the, the worst? When you said worst game, I was trying to think of a bad game that I played a lot of. Uh, did you ever get Chex Quest? <laughs> We've talked about uh, yes. Talk, that seems like something you might have talked about on the yeah Chex Quest because it came in. It was a. It was basically like old school Doom reskinned with Chex. Yeah, and it came in the. It was like a couple levels that came with uh, free with your cereal. Yeah, we talked about it because uh, it came up in conversation. Did you? Ever get the Pizza Hut demo discs? Do you remember no. Pizza Hut? So it was like around the same time, uh, Chex Quest was there, and Pizza Hut would give out demo discs for like PS One. Okay, if you got it, it would just yeah. be like five games with one level or something. But yeah, Chex Quest, Chex Quest. Yeah, that was uh, I played. I played it for like a little bit, but just threw it away because it was free. Sounds yeah. like you. Uh, I, I beat it all the way through. Figured out every hidden passage. <laughs> I, 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 you platinumed it. Yeah. I, I didn't. I never had any PC games hardly at all. It was one of the only PC games, and maybe I could sneak and play it during the day or something. I want because I, I I was only ever allowed to game on weekends. Not even Saturday, you couldn't game. Or Saturday, or no, Friday and Saturday I could game. Where the days are, but I'm pretty sure I could sneak and play Chex Quest. I oh, think you could only play on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Monday through Thursday, no games allowed. Right. Yeah, and then Sunday it's just probably a smart just move. Moses. <laughs> Sunday's just Moses. <laughs> it's just the Exodus. Bible adventure. Exodus. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I probably sucked as a kid, but your parents probably made the right move. I think so. Yeah, because yeah. you could. Uh... Yeah, we already went over that. But worst game. Well, I was, I was trying to think of another good. Oh, best soundtrack. I like to hear people that think of best soundtrack. Oh, um, Braids was good. That, that's probably the only. That's one of the few games that I have the. That uh, I listen to it outside with, of the game, outside of the game, yeah, 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 with, yeah. with some frequency. I still listen to that. It's like good violin, kind of classical yeah. music, and Halo. I remember that the opening theme. Yeah, the, yeah, that monk chant. I remember that being so immersive and world building. That is a very iconic. You could you could play like three seconds of that monk chant, and yeah. most people would immediately like, Halo. They would know. Yeah. yeah. That one's great. Um, yeah, only one of those ones come to what mind. What a game you thought was the best story, best narrative? Oh, um, Metal Gear Solids was really fun, but crazy. <laughs> like, That's I don't an know understatement. What, what schizophrenic <laughs> wrote that? Um, Hideo Kojima, Hideo Kojima, he's like a legend. His, yeah. uh, did you ever see any hype of the game Death Stranding? It just yeah. barely came out. Oh, is that the same? Same guy. guy. So oh, he's been. He's kind of like a. I wouldn't say. I don't know what the film equivalent. He's sort of like a. 
oh, goofy, wacky Quentin Tarantino of the video game world. Yeah. Like people love him and whatever whatever game he makes is going to sell a bajillion. But he, he uh, Metal Gear Solid on the PS1 is the one you're, I'm assuming you're talking about. Um, yeah. And they made a remake of it on the GameCube. No. I mean, Metal, was Metal no, I, I don't – I played one a little bit. I, Metal Gear Solid 2 was the first Metal Gear Solid I beat. That's a PS2 game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Metal Gear Solid 2 where you start out a snake, then you end up being the blonde dude. Yeah. That's kind of a whiny bitch. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one is even more wacky. Now I get it. Because uh, there's a scene the, – John Jimenez brought this up on the podcast. We'll end with this because it's a uh, – I think it kind of ties everything together. So do you remember a scene when you're naked – and it gets all weird, and the colonel guy starts talking gibberish to you. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. you're running with your hand over your crotch, and when you yes. do the flip, you do it in a different way. You, you get the blurries yeah. when his yeah. legs are spread, when you do the cartwheel move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, And then you run through this hallway, and the guy, the colonel guy that's been talking to you like the whole game starts like glitching out like he's a computer program, and starts speaking mm-hmm. gibberish. And then it like cuts in and shows you weird stock footage of like war and missiles launching. Yeah. And as a kid, we wasn't a kid, but that was really weird and wacky to me. Coupled with the dude that uh, rode roller skates and planted bombs, that was the mm-hmm. boss. He's like this bald, fat guy that ran around on jacket or jet-powered roller skates, right? Yeah, dropping yeah. bombs. The game was wacky as shit. The vampire guy that you had to like snipe, yeah. but uh, apparently, I haven't uh, done this since John brought it up. But that whole section where the colonel guy is going off and it's it's all sort of like a symbolic hot take on American politics and society and this was done in like early 2000s right and uh allegedly if you go online and read people breaking down what he's what what he's implying and saying during that section a lot of it has turned out to like come to pass oh rad and it was yeah. it was like he's a uh, yeah it was kind of like a he's always had like this weird art housey type he'll put in weird shit in his games i remember it being wacky but being so into every but being okay with it yeah 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 Yeah, there's some there's some really weird stuff that that the concept at the end like big shell was a test facility for some like giant ai that was gonna like control i yeah it was just wacky and weird but the fat guy i remember the fat guy that weird spot when you're naked running and the ending not making sense to me you fight you fight the president is, with swords on the top of a building at the end is that the one where you have to put the controller in the right that's a well wait there's a there's a boss in metal gear solid one that you have you could only beat by switching controller oh, okay ports. that's what i'm thinking of. yeah, yeah that's yeah. psycho mantis yeah, yeah one of the sick. greatest greatest video game moments uh is yeah so what it is is he can read your read your mind yeah and if you if you don't do it eventually the game hints at you like this is what to do but if you change the controller port he can't read your mind anymore and uh the first time you fight i did beat that game okay yeah yeah. yeah. that's i think the best metal gear out of all of them on the ps1 still wacky but uh he uh, also, depending if you've played other Konami games, so the game was uh, made by Hideo Kojima, published by Konami. In that same sequence, if you had other Konami game save data, because the PS1 used the memory card, and you had memory, I don't know if you remember, you had 15 blocks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some games would take like three blocks or two blocks, mm-hmm. and you had very little save data. If he would also read your memory card, 
And if uh, you had yeah, yeah. if you had other Konami games, because I think legally he couldn't comment on non games uh-huh. they didn't own. But if you had other Konami save games, he would uh, like comment about it and would know weird. So I remember my favorite game of all time is Sukoden Two. It's like this nerdy Japanese like Game of Thrones uh-huh. anime Game of Thrones on PS One, and um, I put hours and hours and hours into that game. One of my favorite games. And the first time I played that game, he's like floating there and he goes, "Oh, you like Sukoden? Ah, he says something like." You've put in like something, something X amount of hours, yeah. and you're you're obviously like a big fan, and I like could not fathom how <laughs> this might so cool. creeped yeah. me out. Like he can read my mind. Later, obviously, I figured it out. But I thought that's again, you can only get those type of creative moments from Hideo Kojima. I'd look him up. He also did, and uh, one thing you might look look up is uh, the marketing campaign for a game called a canceled game called Silent Hills. The, a new Silent Hill game. What he did is he put out a fake game under a fake studio name. Like everything's fake. Like it's called like 505 uh-huh. Games or something. And it was called PT. And it was like a first-person game where you just walk through the same hallway over and over again. But you're haunted by a ghost. And every time you walk through the hallway, it like switches around. Yeah. Anyway, long story short, the game is like – really hard to beat and there's a secret ending and if the secret ending is uh, the game was actually an announcement for an upcoming game it's like a marketing ploy that only he would do so they released a game on playstation network yeah that was like a free game called pt and it stands for playable teaser but nobody knew that they just thought it was like one of the free games yeah and it took like i think they said like a day or two before someone got the secret ending, yeah, and then it, then it was announced like this is actually an announcement. Anyway, he's. I would look him up. You got to pee. We got to yeah, go. Gotta piss. We got to pee. Thanks for yeah. coming on, Tim Spencer. Dude, thanks for Check having out, me. Check uh, out my name, Joe jo on a boat. Joe on a boat. All right. Bye. Love you. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the entirety of the episode. Make sure to check out Tim Spencer on all the applicable shit. I will have that information in the podcast description, as mentioned before. Props to him. Again, check him out next week on the, the uh, podcast. We have a uh, Gazia, Aaron Spaziano Gazia. He is G from the music duo X and G. Uh, don't sleep on it. He's a badass. They're a badass. If you haven't checked them out in preparation for the show, check their music out. Prepare to have your mind blown. Do your duty. Spread the good news of the gaming members' gospel. You will be best. Love you. Bye bye.